0: So some North Korean students in the Soviet Union start to notice this and they like look back at home and they're like, hey, there's some giant gleaming statues of Kim Il-sung everywhere. His portrait's on every damn wall and they're like, toot toot, That's the sound of a whistleblower. Right. <laughs> yeah. To we Talk About Dead People, a podcast where we pick two dead people and talk about their lives. I'm your host, Aaron C., and I'm here, well, not here, across the country from my good friend and co-host, James D. Say hi, James. This <laughs> is We Talk About Dead People! <laughs> It's relevant, I promise. (laughs) Yeah. We hope to keep our listeners entertained and interested while we break down these characters from the odd and exciting family that is humanity. The way this works is that James and I will do our amateurish best to give a basic account of the major events in these people's lives and how they responded to them. We also hope to give a fairly accurate depiction of their individual character, which is harder to do, but we're going to try anyway. So, James, who do we have this week? We have Kim Il-Sung.
1: Is that how you say it? I just say Sung. I don't know. (laughs) Sung. And... Okay. Kim (laughs) Il-Sung. And Leonidas the first. Is it Leonidas? It is. That's the, uh, when, yeah, my, my history professor corrected me. I mean, Leonidas is the American British way of saying it, but Leonidas is actually the Greek way of saying it, I think. Oh. So I'm going to say Leonidas. You can say Leonidas. What? I mean, (laughs) we have to think about our brand here, James, because if you say Leonidas Mm -hmm. and you're wrong, (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I looked it up. It, uh, most historians say Leonidas. So okay, that's okay. what we'll go with. All right. All right. It's not like we don't pronounce any other or mispronounce any other things. In- and
0: <laughs> well, podcast. the one thing we never mispronounce is New Zealand. Mm, Just true. Never. Yeah. Or Varus. <laughs> Varus. <laughs> right. Varus. Yeah. yeah. So, um, shall we head to the history lab? Let's do it. <laughs> That was
1: horrible. I'll just cut that out.
0: You know, I got a mouse pad that's so fucking big, if I click, like, the left click is so big that I have to click, like, ten times to get the right click. I don't- I don't know. I don't know. What
1: That's about. the problem with the left, is it's just <laughs> so big. We have to shrink it by <laughs> clicking the right.
0: Holy shit, this trailer you <laughs> wrote. What the fuck is this? It was a joke.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, okay, that was last uh, night. There's uh, only like one you...
0: thing I can't say in here, and it's in the yep. first <laughs> Two men. One is Hill's son, and the other is Leonidas. Uh, Leonidas.
1: <laughs> We're not doing a trailer today, everybody.
0: James, tell me, mm-hmm. if you had to fire me from the
1: show... Ah, how would you do it? Ah, okay. Well, I would invite you over for some pizza. Okay. <clears throat> and you would, of course, say yes, because, you know, yes. who doesn't say say yes to that? Right. And then I would say, hey, I have to show you something in my basement. Oh, <laughs> Christ. <laughs> and you would be like, okay, cool, what's in your basement? And then we'd go down there, and you'd see that I have created a space shuttle <clears throat> in my basement. <laughs> And I would say the pizza's inside, so go get it. And you would go into the space shuttle. But of course, I'd have the launch buttons on the outside. Right. And then I would launch the space shuttle while you were in it. You would go flying out into space and directly into the sun. <laughs> Well, that's a good way Thus to fire somebody. is how I would fire you.
0: <laughs> it's funny
1: because the sun is fire.
0: <laughs> mm, yeah. Mm, I'd yeah. say that's a good plan. It's it's uh it's one of my favorite movies, Wallace and Gromit. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I was basing it off of. <clears throat> yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, if if I had to fire you, uh-huh. Uh I think I'd just I'd <clears throat> call you into my office and you would sit down and you'd Scoot up your chair and be all sheepish and whatnot, and then I pull out a forty-five and shoot you right in the face. <laughs> oh, fuck! Okay, Trotsky well. style. <laughs> Wait, wasn't it with an ice pick? <laughs> well, maybe I meant Stalin style. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it well, maybe right the with...
1: gun shoots out an ice pick.
0: I don't think a Tokarev is a forty-five. I don't know what caliber a Tokarev is. Let's look. Tokarev mm. pistol. I don't know what a Tokarev is. It's a Russian pistol, stamped metal, really cheap. Uh, it's a TT pistol. That's what they call it. See here, TT pistol. It's seven (laughs) six two. Jesus Christ! (laughs) Wow. Okay, smaller than nine. Okay, that is a number. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, doesn't matter. Okay, Uh, so so uh, computer, please bring up what do we got? Kim Il Sung and Leonidas the First. Yes.
1: Okay. So, what is Kim Il
0: Sung best known for? Kim Il Sung. And it might be Sung, I don't know, but Sung, I'm just going to say, because it looks like Sung. And yeah. also, he was a singer. No, oh. No, he wasn't, <laughs> as far <laughs> as I know. Uh, but Kim Il-sung is best known for being Kim Jong-un's grandfather. I would say best known for that. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, he's yeah. also known for being the first supreme leader of North Korea, and Ooh. also the only president of North Korea to ever exist. Uh, that's a good thing. That's right. Those two guys that have followed up after him, Kim Jong-il and Kim Jong-un, uh, not presidents. Ah. Uh, yeah. But they kept the, the supreme leader part of it, yes. I'm guessing. So, yeah, Kim Il-sung is the eternal president of Got North it. Korea. Got it. Always will be. And we'll get to that later. But, let's, So uh, yeah. yeah, what did this, uh, what did this guy look like? Uh, depends on what age you catch him at. Interesting. Uh, but I'm going off of a photo from 1950. He looks like Kim Jong-un with a slightly less offensive haircut, uh, Ah. even though it's basically the same haircut. (laughs) He's got two chins, which is fine. Uh, He was probably eating well, after all. Uh, In this photo, he's pictured in a handsome suit and tie, uh, but that's about it uh, for what I have for his physical description. Okay. uh, Tell me, James. Works for me. (laughs) What was
1: Leonidas best known for Leonidas is best known for being a warrior king of Sparta, fighting the Persians, dying, and having an almost two-perfect six-pack. Uh
0: (laughs) So, me? (laughs) yes (laughs) I am dead, I fought the Persians, and I have an almost two-perfect six-pack. That's just true. True. Yeah, it is all true. It also turns out that eating almost nothing for a few weeks at a time, you'll lose weight, everybody. That's the- that's the way to go. (laughs) Okay. I'm so Uh, poor. I've been trying to save money, so I've been eating, like, nothing, and I've lost, like, 15 pounds. It's great. (laughs) You should market this. Doctors hate him. Eating nothing makes his weight just fall off. (laughs) What was the tagline we used for the Mao episode? Learn the one crazy secret for how one Chinese man lost something like 65 billion pounds or something like. <laughs> It's so horrible, but yes, it's yes. horrendous! <laughs> yeah. Hey, there you oh, go. jeez. You know? Yeah. <laughs> the so, communism uh, what did, diet. What did Leonidas Leonidas look like? Or, yeah, what was his...
1: Uh, Leonidas looks and sounds like an Irish guy who is definitely not Greek. Uh, he is almost always shirtless, wearing makeup, and flaunting his muscles. Yeah, actually, uh, unbeknownst to most historians, Spartans weren't actually Greek. They were what? a collection of blonde and blue-eyed Brits and Americans <laughs> who created an Arab-hating, gay-hating, democracy-loving, freedom-loving war utopia in Southern Greece. Who knew, right? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Three hundred man, the movie. Uh, Haven't uh, you ever seen the movie? Wait, right, but
0: uh, what is this? What is this Arab-hating, gay-hating shit? <laughs> That's the movie.
1: <laughs> it's, what? Uh, it's all—it's oh, full of racism and homophobia. Uh, really? It's not full, but it's definitely in there. Well, See, all the have... Persians. Go ahead. It's, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. (laughs) Well, all the Persians in the movie 300, and we'll get to the movie 300, don't you worry. All right. Uh, All the Persians look like they're straight out of the Taliban. (laughs) Really? Yeah. uh, How nice. Whereas the Persian Empire was, like, very multicultural and had a ton of different people from all over the Middle East, uh, including Greeks. And, uh, nope, nope, in 300, they're a bunch of, uh, it's basically orcs. (laughs) I'm not kidding. You haven't seen the movie, have you? No. Okay, well, I yeah, the Persians but... are orcs, trolls, and the Taliban. <laughs> so uh, it, it got a lot of a lot of shit for being a, a bit, you know, well, racist. Racist. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it portrayed Arabs in a, a very negative light. Oh. Uh, but nope. uh, considering the the crowd the movie was trying to pander to, that's not too surprising. Well, I want to ask about the gay-hating bit. Yeah. Well, there's not a there's not a lot in it, but there there are a few lines where the Spartans are making fun of those boy loving Athenians. Or but I something thought the like Spartans that. regularly shacked up with each other, the males. Oh. Oh. Yes. Time. Yes, they did, and we'll get into that. Uh, <laughs> okay. Which is why. Uh, yeah. It's, but they don't they don't talk about that at all in the movie. Of course not. No. Yeah. Of that's gay. Not. <laughs> <laughs> It is! And the Spartans are these super soldiers, yeah. and so we can't show them as, you know, really no. homosexuals. No, no that, of because it's, they definitely weren't gay.
0: No, <laughs> no, not at. There's no recorded history of them <laughs> preferring men to women for the most part because they spent all their time with only men, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. we'll get into this, yeah. don't you worry? I don't want to steal. I don't want to steal your fire. <laughs> oh, you're not. No, trust but, me, you're not. There's, but I, I remember yeah. re- reading about that and hearing about that in history class and being like, what the fuck?
1: <laughs> but also oh, being yeah. like, oh. <laughs> well, and we'll we'll talk. There's a lot more to it than just like you know. Uh, <clears throat> enjoying sexual lust or whatever there, there's more to it and we'll oh, get into yeah. that yeah. but the, uh, the movie 300 just doesn't show any of this right it's <laughs> of course not uh we'll get into the movie
0: later it's it's Much a, later <clears throat> it's a mythical retelling of a historical event is yeah, that correct sure <laughs> yeah. No, not
1: even close <laughs> okay. <laughs> well it, okay fair enough I, right. i'm completely biased so fair enough okay <laughs> Okay, yeah.
0: well, see, I know the mo- the version you saw of the movie was Christianized, so you only saw a 15-minute version of the movie or something like that?
1: This is true. Yeah, the, the first time I did see this movie, uh, a Christian lady I know, she cut the movie so that all non-Christian <laughs> elements, including violence, were out. And it was like 10 minutes long, <laughs> and it had these cuts that were just horrifying, <laughs> like, oh, you know, the Persians are coming, and then it's the end of the movie, and you're like, wait... <laughs> Wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. Well, Uh, I've never seen the movie at all. I've only seen clips. Uh, Well, okay. I have seen the full movie since then, so we'll get into that. Yeah. But speaking of movies, shall we talk Uh about Kim Il-sung's
0: early life? Yes. Yes. And can you sing the whole thing? (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay. I will not sing the whole thing. I spent all day yesterday singing. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, working for DoorDash. Turns out that watching a little cash counter go up every time you deliver a Filet-O-Fish to some suburb uh. Uh, makes you really happy. <laughs> True. Uh, DoorDash not is not a sponsor, everybody. I just needed work so bad to <laughs> go out <laughs> and work for DoorDash, which is, okay. if you hey. don't know, it's uh, like Uber, but you deliver food. <clears throat> okay. And it's a great job if you're unemployed, so. Hmm. Okay. And have a car and a smartphone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like I'm running out of money so bad that I have to go jump in a car with a smartphone and be like, oh god, I'm so poor, you know, let me pull up my GPS here. Mm, yeah, but, okay, well, let's, enough about that. Yeah. So, uh, Kim Il-sung's early life, right? Yes. Uh, so, shall we begin almost. with a little mm-hmm. bit of history of Korea? Sure. Okay, well, I'm about to whittle down 2,000 years. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, a lot's going to get left out, um, but... It's super important to have this historical context to understand what the fuck happened with North Korea, right? Okay. And the reality is we don't actually know too much about what happened with North Korea in the modern day because it's so isolationist. We just have rumors and hearsay. Almost, okay. Almost entirely. Yeah. Uh, which is frustrating for me, but... Uh, That's why I decided to give us the historical context of why they became isolationist, right? Okay, yeah. So, what I want you to imagine when you think about Korean history is something like a constant battle between dozens of rivaling forces. Okay,
1: so family reunion.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, (laughs) Korea is a peninsula, right? Meaning that geographically, it's already backed into a corner. Sure. Okay? And that corner is occupied by the Japanese. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, north of Korea uh, is, is, the, uh, is China, and further mm-hmm. north of that is Russia. And, and across the sea, you've got this close neighbor, Japan. Uh, yeah. Which are all pretty powerful, historically. Mm-hmm. So that's right. probably not a good thing. <clears throat> probably not a good thing for the Koreans. But yeah. So the furthest thing we know about back about Korea is about 10,000 B.C., Ah. Uh, and In early Korean history, what we have is not strictly history, which is pretty typical. Uh, so yeah. we have a lot of legends, lots of myths. I mean, what you know, the history of Rome, right?
1: That was based on a myth and whatnot. Or, you know. Yeah, some guy created the St. Louis Arch and then delivered a pizza <laughs> to Mount Sinai or something. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: But anyway, so like that's not all that uncommon to, for, to have like history turn into myth the further back you go. Yeah. Um <clears throat> So we don't know if, like, certain characters actually existed, or if they existed as one person, or if they were an amalgamation of lots of different people. So, sure. Uh, but nonetheless, the legend goes that in 2333 BC, there was a man named Don Gun, um mm-hmm. who was born of a heavenly prince and a werebear. bear. <laughs> Is that like a Care Bear, but you don't know where he is? Yeah. Um, uh, okay. No. It's, it's like a, like a werewolf, but a bear. Werewolf. Okay. Got it. <laughs> um, and this bear was like in competition with a tiger or something. I can't remember mm-hmm. exactly the, the myth, but bear won. Um, so this heavenly. Pr- so the bear turns into a beautiful woman, and the heavenly prince marries her, and they establish the first Korean kingdom. Wow. So there's probably some sort of symbolism there with the bear versus the tiger and why the civilization no. was established. No. You know, that sort of thing based on no. like, her bear qualities. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. <laughs> um, berry qualities. I don't know. Oh, so anyway, this kingdom was called Joseon, right? Okay. And it was yep. later named Gojoseon, right? Sure. Uh, so Joseon is, and I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, and that's just get used to it. Um, so Joseon is a Chinese name, uh-huh. uh, which means land of the morning dawn. Why? Well, take a guess without looking at the not-script, which we
1: don't have because we don't uh, write. <laughs> I, I already looked into the, not on the script, but into the future, so I already know. Uh, oh, damn. So you better just tell us. Okay,
0: so Korea was uh, to the east end of China, or is to the east end of China, right? And yeah. the sun rises in the east, so the logic goes, it's the land of the morning dawn. Uh, uh-huh. And that's that's the same reason why Japan is called the land of the rising sun, because it's to the east of China. Ah, okay. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah. Oh, shit, I just fucked up. <laughs> oh. Oh. Um, pardon okay. me, I just have to scroll back down on the document we do not have. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, Joseon is considered to be the earliest version of statehood in Korea, but it isn't to last. Hmm. Um, it lasts a while, but not forever. So okay. it lasts about two uh, 2,000 years, 2,200 oh. years. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, so it, it does just fine for about 2,000 years. And then uh-huh. the Chinese invade, right? Mm. The Chinese mm-hmm. Han dynasty invades and installs four new leaders in the Korean peninsula, right? Yeah. Um, but this didn't last either. There was about 400 years of Chinese rule before the Koreans were able to win back their land by ousting the Chinese overlords. But it doesn't look like there were that many hard feelings. Uh, China oh. was constantly trying to, like, hey, be part of our country. You know, you're just sticking out there. You might as well join the fun. Yeah. Um, so, right, North like, Korea and China, like, it was just a war, right? Like, we had a war, you occupied us for a while, but it wasn't that bad, and now we have our own independence again, whatever. Yeah, what's 400 years among friends? <laughs> <laughs> well, I say that because, comparatively speaking, mm-hmm. with their later overlords, <laughs> uh. Uh, China's occupation looks like nothing. Okay. Um, so, after China lost this, lost Korea, there was a period called the Proto-Three Kingdoms Period, during which three states existed on the peninsula, known as Goguryeo, Silla, and I think it's Bike J. Bike mm-hmm. Ye, Bike, bike J. Something like it's that. B-A-E-K-J-E. All right. So anyway, Goguryeo was uh, the State of Warriors. and often tried to take over all of Korea and went to war many times with Chinese dynasties. So, you know, there was like this competition going on with China and Korea. Sure. Uh, And there was like war after war uh, with China, including one in which Goguryeo uh, faced off with a Chinese force of a million men. Oh, jeez. Which is an extremely large number in 600 AD. uh, Yeah. As Uh, you might imagine. It is China though, so. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, things go on like this for a while and I'm skipping over a lot. Uh, sure. But that's in the interest of time. Uh, at a certain point, though, one of these kingdoms, Scylla, joins up with the Tang Dynasty of China and conquers Baekje and Goryeo, at which point hmm. Scylla then turns on the Chinese and pushes them out of the peninsula after around 130 years of cohabitation on the Korean peninsula, right?
1: Okay, yeah. So
0: Scylla is now purely Korean, right? It's all us. Yeah. Right. So yeah. uh, after this, Scylla has a golden age uh, where it hmm. expands itself into a sea power and starts exploring what lies beyond the waves. Uh, it also starts to see a big rise in Buddhism, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so like, and the Koreans and and the Chinese are are sort of exchanging like professors and teachers and that sort sure. of thing. Sure, because yeah. the the thing that unites them is that they're both they're both Buddhists, right? Sure, yeah. Um, so like, no hard feelings, like we're both Buddhists, so there you go. Uh, yeah. But it couldn't last forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, something like a civil war arrives after <clears throat> two people claim the throne at the same time.
1: Uh, that happens a lot in history.
0: Yeah, so two people claim the throne, uh, and it all goes to hell. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. uh okay. So, replacing Scylla was the Goryeo dynasty, which developed codified laws and promoted Buddhist teaching. Uh, and that involved carving the Tripitaka Koryana, which is the most complete and accurate collection of Buddhist writings. Uh, and it's recorded on over 80,000 wooden blocks Wow. Um. And 750 years ago. And even though they're 750 years old, they're in pristine condition. Because the temple they built to hold it, to hold all these tablets, yeah, uh, was constructed for the exact purpose of preserving wooden blocks. <laughs> so, Whoa. That's yeah. kind of awesome. It's amazing. No. Uh,
1: yeah. It's a, it's a very, very old uh, document. <laughs> you know, so, uh, never mind. No. Right. <laughs> Go <laughs> ahead. That <sounds> good. <laughs> well... I was gonna say, over here in Europe, we're happy when we find a bog body, <laughs> <laughs> but over in Korea, they've got—I uh, mean, different time periods. The bog bodies are, you know, hundreds of thousands of years old. But hundreds either of th- way, really, are they hundreds? Not hundreds of thousands. Of thousands <laughs> hundreds, two thousands. <laughs> okay. I, I don't—I don't remember. It's been a while since I read about the bog bodies. Oh yeah. Well, I, I seem to
0: remember at least one was like in the upper ten thousands of years old. Yo, they found that one
1: guy in uh, the Swiss mountains who was just frozen there. Oh <laughs> yeah, I
0: read about that recently.
1: Yeah, which, oh well. So, besides just making these these wooden blocks
0: that are like the most complete collection of Buddhist writings to ever exist, yeah. uh, the Griyeo culture also achieved the world's first movable type in the 13th century. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Um, and then... Uh, oh my god, James! Do you know Sh- what time it is?! What?! It's no. time for the Mongol invasion! Oh, oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> and Goryeo fights them off for 40 years.
1: Oh, yeah, shit. But eventually, you, though. Wait, go ahead. Well, we, you've talked about the Mongols a little bit here and there, and they're not something you hold off for 40 years. No, that's, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, so 40 years is nothing to sneer at. Um, no.
0: But it, it's not to last, of course. They had to surrender to our boy Kublai uh. Khan. Oh uh, that guy. Yeah, and Goryeo basically became another Mongol captive state. And then there's a coup. Okay. Mm. I've got an ant crawling around in my desk. Hold on. My desk. My closet uh, <laughs> shelf. <laughs> <laughs> okay, He's a spy. so yeah, so the Mongols are ruling and then they're taking this, over. There's this coup. And a guy right. named Ying or Yi Xiongai uh overthrew the Goryeo dynasty. Uh, and began what was called the Joseon dynasty remember that name okay. Joseon yeah right so it's a call back mm-hmm. to this divine age or whatever uh, and then it becomes a tributary state of China okay uh, which is to say it was among the highest of all tributary states at that time uh, and it's worth noting that Joseon was also had its own little tribu- uh, tributaries uh, mm-hmm. and one of these were the Japanese
1: and they paid huh. tribute for something like 300 years. So, let me just get this straight real quick. Yes. So, Korea is being ruled over by the Mongols. Yes. But then this guy comes along. He overthrows the Korean client state mm-hmm. that's serving the Mongols. He starts his own state. Yep. And then he is serving China. But at the same time, he's still kind of independent because, you know, Japan's serving Korea and he's got a few other client states. Is yes. Is that right? Okay. Yes. It's, I'm on board now. It's like a...
0: Yeah, it's a It's a good relationship. Let's just put it that way. Sounds like Um, it. And being such a good relationship, it's time for another golden age! (laughs) Hurrah! Yeah, so in uh, the the 14 and 1500s, uh, Joseon saw the invention of the Korean alphabet that we see today. They made advancements in printing, astronomy, calendar science, ceramics, military tech, geography, medicine, and farm equipment. Jeez. Uh, and they were, like, basically on the cutting edge of the world's technology. Like, okay. they, were, they were far ahead of almost everyone else. Yeah. Um, Joseon also invented a class system, of which there were four, right? Okay. There yeah. were nobles, middle class, common class, and the lowest class who were basically serfs. Uh, huh. So there are some seeds being sown here, my dude. Yes. Um, anyway, then Japan gets tired of paying tribute to Korea and mm-hmm. invades in 1592. Shit. And since the Joseon is in a is in a Joseon dynasty is in a golden age, it's taken completely off guard. Yeah. Um, they'd been at peace for exactly well, about, I should say, two hundred years. Uh and we're pretty mm-hmm. much good and softened up as a result. Um, so not good for the Koreans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh so the Japanese are led by Toyotomi Hideyoshi, uh And, uh, let's see. They plan to land in Korea, conquer the peninsula, and use it as a staging ground to invade China and India. Oh, shit. The Japanese aren't (laughs) fucking around. (laughs) Something got in their heads. I don't know what it was, but they were kind of like, hey, this tribute bullshit, we're done with this.
1: (laughs) So let's take over all of Asia.
0: Yeah, let's, so let's, not just Korea. Let's get China and India, too. (laughs) Right?
1: Yeah, I mean, you gotta have goals. (laughs) Yeah, life goals.
0: Life goals. yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So it didn't work out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It didn't work out as a staging ground. Yeah. Uh, But it did work out because they got to fuck up the Koreans, uh, which is pretty shitty. Um, Yeah. Because they were like, you know, hey, there's too much resistance here, so much that we can't get into China. So Mm. they do what? They start burning temples and palaces and entire cities. Oh, God. Yeah, and then they also brought back to Japan between 100,000 and 200,000 severed noses. Oh, jeez. Yeah, from the Korean populace. As, like, trophies? Yep.
1: Oh, okay. So they didn't
0: win, but they did bring some, you know, like 200,000 fuck yous back. Um,
1: So, So, yeah. I'm getting this feeling that there's going to be a little bit of historical animosity between the koreans and the japanese oh are you
0: (laughs) just a bit (laughs) just a little bit okay yeah uh well yeah the whole japanese thing Uh is pretty much the reason why korea looks like it does today really yeah and so yeah Yeah. well go on yeah (laughs) (laughs) so after the japanese retreated the Joseon dynasty had another 200 years of peace straight into the 19th century okay And then corruption happens, and the old dynastic system starts to wear out. Ah. So we got that dynastic cycle! Right. Um, So the whole peninsula suffers from severe poverty, starvation, etc. There were revolts, things like that. Um, And the Joseon dynasty was forced to end years of isolationism, because they Mm. had decided they were going to be self-sufficient for quite a while, Mm -hmm. uh, for obvious reasons. And it opens its borders in order to save the economy. So they do, and then the first Sino-Japanese war happens.
1: No. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs>
0: well, shit. <laughs> uh, so I'm not going to go t- into too much detail with that, but basically what happens is this. Yeah. The Japanese invade Korea to get to China again. Uh, oh. And the Chinese lose. A treaty is signed in 1895 called the Treaty of Shimonoso- oh, Shimonoseki. Shimonoseki. I don't know. Something like that. Sure. Some treaty. Uh, and the terms of the treaty are hugely humiliating for China. Uh, So they basically lose the Laodong Peninsula, Taiwan, Korea, and the Penghu Islands. Oh, shit. Uh, And the Qing Empire basically had to reverse the tributary status with Japan paying nearly 20 million pounds of silver uh, for war reparations. And then China lost about 7 million more. Uh, And this effectively multiplied Japan's material wealth six times over. Wow. Yeah. So (laughs) Japan's getting a lot of money out of this deal. Right. And this is in the late 1800s. This is in 1895. Yeah.
1: Oh, dear. Okay. Um,
0: so, what's going to happen to Korea? Uh, well, it becomes its own independent state, known as the Korean Empire. But this doesn't oh, nice. mean much because the Japanese are still the occupying force of the country. They're still there. Uh, <laughs> and also, the Japanese at this point in history, I'm sorry to say, are huge bastards. Oh, dear. Uh, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> yeah. uh, and if you want me to prove it, just ju- just Google Japanese war crimes. The list is unbelievable. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Okay. They were not. I don't know what the hell happened, and I'd like to figure it out. It out because something happened with Japan at a certain point that turned them into something
1: completely brutal.
0: As yeah. you know, I mean, you well, know and, that, and we
1: don't want to paint every Japanese person this way, of course.
0: Well, that, I'm not doing that at all. I'm saying no, I'm talking about the uh, the just historically the the, histori- the country itself. Something happened there that made them uh, pissed them off so much, or. Or something, I don't know what. Um, yeah. But they were kind of going along doing their own thing, and then suddenly it's like, fuck everyone, Rape of Nanking! And you're like, what the shit are you doing? Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I'd like to figure that out. I didn't look into mm-hmm. it this time, but maybe I'll try to do that next time. Okay. So anyway, the Japanese are occupying Korea, right? Yeah. And they start operating Korea like you might expect an imperialist power to operate.
1: Totally. Exactly. Right?
0: And mm-hmm. they banned newspapers right away. That was the first thing they did, all of them. Oh, for Great. 13 years. <laughs> Uh And then they allowed them again. And then they banned them again. Uh, So no newspapers in Korea, right? Uh, Good. (laughs) They also introduced a new school system, which was essentially a system of indoctrination meant to shape a person into an imperial citizen. Uh, The goal Mm. was to assimilate Korean culture into Japanese culture. It was free education, but half of it was indoctrination, so make of that what you will. Um, Sure. At first, in the 1910s and the 20s, the Koreans were taught both Korean and Japanese, but around 1940, the Korean language uh, courses started to vanish. And then they were wow. gone in 1943 because you were no longer allowed to speak Korean. Huh. If you did, you would get beaten by soldiers or maybe even killed for wow. speaking your native language. Huh. Uh, so, uh, I'm looking at you, Britain and Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Call back to
1: Liam Lynch. That's uh, what it reminds me of, yeah. Yeah,
0: anyway, so it was intolerable, is what I'm yeah. saying. And so in 1919, a non-violent march was held called the March the First, uh, was held, and it was called the March the First Movement. Uh, a bunch of activists in Seoul read aloud the Korean Declaration of Independence, got arrested, two million protested, the damn thing spun out of control, and 7,000 Koreans were killed. Oh, God. And it's no wonder that the Korean Liberation Movement began uh, to really gain power after this. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but let's go back a bit, say, to 1912, mm-hmm. uh, when Kim Il-sung arrived on planet Earth. Because we're huh. still talking about Kim Il-sung, right? Oh, right. That guy. So uh-huh. he was born in a small village near Pyongyang, uh, and Kim himself was... We actually don't know much about his early life. Hmm. Except that he was raised Presbyterian. Oh! Oh! <laughs> Which, you know, wow! Uh, yeah. And interesting to note... Uh, I just read on the news today that uh, Kim Jong Un is introducing new policies that persecutes Christians in North Korea, a little bit more <laughs> horrifically than before. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Uh, but oh. the funny thing is, Kim Il Sung's uh, family was like really, really into Christianity. Yeah. Um, and partially because the Japanese had already like ousted Christianity from their country mm-hmm. um, through their own persecution uh, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so it was kind of like a rebellious movement in a Japan-occupied Korea to be a Christian at all. Um, sure. And so they're automatically opposed to Japan, and they were trying, you know, the Jap- Japanese were trying to push uh, Shintoism in Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, but there wasn't much the Japanese could do because the Christian, like, Christian conferences are popping up everywhere. It's hugely popular. Interesting, um, wow. And they were much more interested in expunging... Uh, communist ideology that was flowing in mm-hmm. Korea. You know, the Christians, it's like, aha, you know, whatever, right? They're, they're kind of pesky, yeah. but it's not really that big a deal. Um, but those communists, God, look out for those guys because yep. that'll overturn an imperialist society pretty quick. Sure. Um, so there's some evidence that Kim's parents were involved in an anti-Japanese resistance movie, uh, mo- movie? Movement. <laughs> um, but we don't know exactly what they did. Um, okay. But I mean, I mean, things were bad for the Koreans under Japanese rule. Yeah. And so when I say <laughs> there's some evidence that his parents were involved in resistance, it's pretty much a certain thing that they were. Um, but the most, like, the resource that I found is yeah. Kim Il-sung's autobiography. Ah. Um, so take s- it with a grain of salt. Take it with a grain of salt, right? Uh, yeah. So it's on North Korea's official website.
1: Oh. Um,
0: <laughs> which, and I, I read some of it I didn't read all of it because it's 2,000 pages long oh Uh, yeah jeez anyway here's a here's a quote from uh, Mm -hmm. Kim Il-sung himself uh, about the conditions of living in Japanese occupied Korea. yeah so he says Korea in those days was a living hell unfit for human habitation the Korean people were in all aspects walking stiffs their spirits (laughs) were dead alive though their bodies uh, were Right? Wow. Uh, Lenin's prediction that Japan's hitherto unparalleled savage tortures of the Korean patriots and barbaric exploitation of Korea will continue no matter what was right on the mark. Uh, in short, wow, was so my Lenin. Mis- yeah, so Lenin was like... Lenin had a real problem with Japan occupying Korea. Yeah. Right? And he's saying it's not going to stop until Korea rises up in, you know, glorious revolution or whatever. Right. Um, so... Mm-hmm. In short, Kim il Sung goes on to say, In short, it was my misfortune to be born in an era of evil events and to grow up seeing the worst of the Japanese savagery. These left indelible marks in my memory and shaped my future activities. My father told me how Korea got herself into the sad situation she was in, and I became angry at the elite of Korea who had let it happen. I swore then and there to devote the rest of my life to the task of driving out the Japanese colonists from Korea. Wow. So notice huh. here it's more of an anti-japanese sentiment than anything yeah. else um and that's going to come up a lot later because it it's almost like a weird coincidence that communism came in when it did because mm-hmm. the koreans were not motivated necessarily by revolution they were motivated by ousting these these you know tyrannical leaders uh yeah. who just happened to be japanese um and so the uh the movement wasn't so much a and we'll get to this difference here the movement wasn't so much like arg we're tired of the you know the the corrupt elite in our country um the movement is more of we're tired of being ruled over by foreigners
1: interesting
0: yeah so it's not so much like a we need to get out rid of our own corruption it's we need to get
1: rid of these corrupt others right Uh, yeah and i was gonna say like that's to me i i'm way more for that uh i'm kind of on kim il-sung's side right now yeah and you're gonna win back korea uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you're gonna be on his side a lot,
0: um, but you're also gonna be against him a lot. Um, sure. The problem is most of the bad shit that happened in North Korea, mm-hmm. um, isn't like at, like reliably recorded. Right? Ah. Okay. So, you know, so it's like ah, they got torture camps, and you know, he fed his uncle to the dogs, and that sort of thing. And it's like, oh yeah, God. well that kind of shit happened all the time.
1: Yeah. Um. So uh, you know, that's well, and it's probably no stranger to the. The Korean people who had been, you know, yeah. tortured and raped and killed by the Japanese for so long.
0: Right, they kind of got used to it. It's, it's almost like, at least it's us. You know, yeah, at least At it's least our- the
1: Japanese are gone.
0: Yeah, at least it's my country doing it and not the Japanese. Hmm, um, so I don't know, I don't know. I know nothing about this. Uh, actually, not that many people know that much about it because Korea is so isolationist, it's hard to know anything about it. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Kim also describes in his autobiography, uh, a childhood colored by need. Uh, his oh. family worked hard for what they had, which was not much. He reports that his grandfather worked day in and day out gathering food where he could uh, and making sandals and ropes and other useful things under a kerosene lamp just to keep the family fed. Oh. And even then, they had no- next to nothing to eat. Uh, at one time as a kid, uh, Kim developed some kind of growth on his neck, which will come up later, but he claims oh. it went away after his grandma gave him a tiny bit of pork. Huh. So that's, it's like almost so hungry that food is magic or something like that yeah yeah um and he said this of this event quote since that time on i often wish that the growth would come back so that i could taste pork once again oh god that's so sad i know so he's he's fucking starving is what's going on yeah um and that's that's it's not just him it's it's uh you know it's that's the experience in japanese uh occupied korea yeah uh so you know, it's kind of hard to read. You know, and yep. there there are grains of truth in his autobiography, from what I can pick up, right? Sure. Uh, obviously, it, later on, it becomes much more like propaganda, especially the end, um, right? Because it's it's an autobiography, but it's it's only like his, during his uh, his childhood and the
1: ousting of Japan from Korea, right? Well, so. yeah, and at this point, there's no North or South Korea, right? It's just Korea, right? Right. So. Yeah, we have Southern Koreans who, you know, have said the same thing about this time period. Yeah, yeah, actually everyone's kind of
0: unified, like, you know, this is... This was terrible. This is (laughs) untenable. Yeah. So, uh, his whole life was tragic. According to his autobiography, he lost several family members in resistance to Japanese Mm. rule. Mm -hmm. Um, And we don't think about Japan uh, much before World War II, do we? No. It was kind of like, we just, I, I used to think of it as like some kind of upstart power that just kind of went rogue at Pearl Harbor. Like that was the first bad thing they did. Yeah. Um, but no, it had been running an imperialist campaign of terror for years before World War II. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I'm not just, I'm not trying to shit on Japan right here, but like, I didn't know, right? Yeah. Um. And, and it's a completely different country now, obviously. Oh, yeah. Um, but back then, I don't know what the fuck went <laughs> What right. the hell happened? <laughs> uh. um, so anyway. Uh, as a result, when Kim was 14, uh, he started a little club called the Down With Imperialism Union.
2: Oh, okay. And they were not down That's with great.
0: imperialism. <laughs> they wanted <laughs> to take down imperialism. Got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Clear distinction there. Uh, so the club was also Leninist uh, and mm-hmm. sought to replace the Japanese imperialistic power dynamic in Korea with a communist state. Which, if you're living in Japanese-occupied Korea, uh, sure. and a, somebody comes along and says, hey, communism is working, you're probably going to go, yeah, great, sign me up.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and especially if, you know, your two powerful neighbors of China and Russia are also communists, that could be beneficial. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're in on the game, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, but that
0: was, uh, yeah, that was that was in the 30s, so, or the 30s, the 20s. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah, so that yes. come back later. So that, that was in the 20s. Um, yeah. So it was kind of all happening at once. Mm-hmm. Uh So, let's see here. Uh, yeah, so, Kim was also in military school, um, but, get this, the techniques he was being taught were largely useless. I wonder why. Was it because the Japanese were controlling the schools? Oh, yeah. We we best not teach them good tactics, so, I'm (laughs) speculating, but, you know, Japanese occupation, right? They're not gonna let you learn really good military tactics. No. Um, so anyway, Kim, though raised a good Christian boy, rejected traditional philosophies outright. Uh, Instead, he believed that communism was the way forward, Uh, and he was jailed early on for subversive activities and was once uh, again arrested at uh, 17, uh, three weeks after joining an underground Marxist resistance group. Wow. All right, so Kim and his family are in Manchuria, right? They fled there to avoid Japanese persecution, and it's 1931, Kim is 19, he joins the Communist Party of China. Uh-huh. oh okay yeah so why china yeah the communist per- uh, party of korea had been essentially banned for being too nationalistic which you know <laughs> is a no-no if your japanese overlords want to maintain control over you of course uh so your next best bet is to join up with the commies in china makes sense right sure yeah uh, plus you know that's going to come back later uh obviously oh sure because you know, there's a huge revolution going on in china and korea next to china is i mean i guess geographically inconsequential mm-hmm. um and the population of China is so much bigger. So, if you can, you know, get yourself in with the Chinese, you might have a pretty good ally for, you know, 100 years or so. That's true. Um, Yeah. yeah. So, Kim Il-sung also joined a, and get this, this is is important, a specifically anti-Japanese guerrilla group in northern China. Huh. Uh, And, Uh, yeah, so... It's not even like, oh, we're, you know, we're, we're gonna start the communist revolution. It's just like, we're gonna get rid of the fucking Japanese, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... Wow. Uh, so anyway, yeah, it's it's an ugly, ugly history. Yeah, uh, for and, sure. Yeah, by the way, remember how the Japanese have not yet occupied Manchuria? Yeah. Well, something happens that changes their mind. Uh, oh. In 1930, there was a violent revolt in Manchuria where a bunch of peasants rose up and attacked several local villages believing they were fomenting Japanese aggression. Huh. Not sure exactly what that means, uh, okay. but it's not too important because the authorities tackled the problem and suppressed the revolt pretty quickly. Sure. Um, but the uprising actually convinced the Japanese that it was time to invade Manchuria, right? Yeah. So they start planning that, because uh, uh-huh. it turns out spontaneous, unplanned, disorganized peasant revolts are an effective at only one thing, uh-huh. convincing your enemies to attack your rising gaggle of misdirected cronies preemptively. Oh, God. Yeah, so you basically okay. give them an excuse, right? Yeah. They're looking for an excuse, and, oh, peasant revolts. Gotta invade. <laughs> so anyway, four months later, the Mukden incident occurred, uh, which, okay. in which uh, a pathetic package of dynamite was set off near a Japanese railroad. It hmm. did no damage. Uh, but the Japanese <laughs> used it as an excuse to establish a new puppet government in Manchuria. By force. All right. Uh, yeah. And as you probably could have guessed, the people of Manchuria are sick of it right yeah because they're like hey so we didn't actually damage the railroad and that might not have even been us like we're not sure yeah, that, who the hell did that that sounds a little false flaggy to me it does because it, oh yeah. it conveniently didn't damage the railroad <laughs> yeah. so, it's like yeah. oh they tried to damage the, how do you how do you fuck
1: up putting bombs yeah. next to a railroad either way someone's an idiot Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so
0: in 1935 uh, Kim joins the Northeast Anti-Japanese United Army, uh, okay. which was a guerrilla group organized by the Communist Party of China. Sure. Uh, so Kim has a meteoric rise, uh, being appointed a commissar of the 3rd Detachment of the 2nd Division, which gave him control of about 160 soldiers. Nice. And that same year, he actually took on the name Kim Il-sung, which means Kim Become the Sun. Interesting. Yeah, huh. and that'll pop up later because he does become the sun in a certain way. Yeah. And he was 22 at this point, uh, but at 24, he took command of several hundred men. So, Jeez, up. he's a good soldier. Yeah. Um, so, this little army quickly became known as Kim Il Sung's division because it was one of the most effective divisions in the whole army. Nice. Okay. So they're naming a division after him. So that's a that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there was a small raid in 1937 when Kim captured a Japanese occupied town and held it for a few hours before retreating. Uh, but it was actually a really big deal, especially for the Japanese. Like, oh, we captured a town, you know, and held it for a few a few hours. And then we had to leave. Yeah, <laughs> right? Doesn't sound like a big deal, but it was a big deal. Uh, because yeah. after this, the Japanese labeled Kim as the Tiger uh, and sent out a group of special forces to kill him. And oh, it wow. didn't work because he killed them.
1: Oh shit! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so now he's taking out Japanese special forces.
0: Yeah, who are specifically on assassination missions. Um, yeah,
1: Tiger sounds like a pretty good, pretty good name for him.
0: Yeah, if you're if you're named the Tiger, sounds like somebody's afraid of you. You just yeah, you know, pounce sure. out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, Kim continued to score more victories for the Communists of China, uh, mm-hmm. but by the end of 1940, he was the only leader left alive in his division. Wow. Yeah, so he's the only one who's still kicking, right? Yeah. And it's yeah. 1940, and remember, the Japanese are, you know, not yet involved with World War II, but soon will be. Right? Well, uh, kind of, yeah. Well, um,
1: I, that's wrong. That's incorrect. They're not well, fighting the
0: Americans yet.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's what I mean. Because I, I know that technically most historians... Count September first, nineteen thirty-nine, as the beginning of World War Two, because that's when Germany invaded Poland. Right. But I know that's trying to be changed in a lot of places to nineteen thirty-three, right. which I th- I believe marked the beginning of conflict between Japan and China. Right. Right. We talked I, about that it, on the yeah. now episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do. So go
0: listen to that episode, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that'll give you some background. But yep. so anyway, uh, he's the last guy alive in his in his division right right he's the last leader alive i should say yeah. um so he's on the run and he so he flees he fleeds fleeds flees uh to s- the soviet union ah uh where he spent time training his troops uh the huh. ones left okay and I, oh. they they get even better which is crazy because uh, they were already the best <laughs> wow so he also yeah. became a major in the soviet red army right hmm. uh mm-hmm. which was good for him because the soviets had declared war on japan uh, really? So now he can fight the japanese for the soviets huh. anyway so soon the soviets were marching through pyongyang and the japanese pulled out completely
1: just wait like what that. year what year is this this is uh because i thought japan and russia the soviet union had a non-aggression treaty at the beginning of the war maybe i'm wrong i don't know
0: i don't know let's check
1: well let's I, sh- I know the soviet union declared war on japan like just a few days before japan surrendered in 1945 uh, but I thought an... Stalin and Japan had a non-aggression treaty. Maybe I'm getting into I the fifties here.
0: Yeah, they did declare war on the at the end of the at the end of the war.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but let's see here.
1: Yeah, because neither the Soviet Union nor Japan wanted a two-front war. Ah, yes. So the Soviet-Japanese Neutrality
0: Pact of April 1941. Um, But they did have a battle before that. Okay. Did not Um, know that. Cool. Yeah, they had the Battle of Lake Kassan and Battle
1: of Kalkan Gull. Okay. Um, Well, that that makes sense because Japan was like, well, we're going to attack Pearl Harbor soon. We should probably stop fighting the Russians. (laughs) Right, right. We're going to have our hands full. Okay, well, cool. I did not know that. (laughs) Yeah, so there was actually conflict between the Russians and
0: the Japanese before the pact. Okay. So I'm not wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. You should call Forgive me on this shit. This was one of the most, uh, most difficult ones I've had to do because like, nobody really knows, because, you know, yeah. you're dealing with China and Russia and North Korea, and those people don't have a really good history of history. <laughs> yeah, a lot but, of propaganda. Yeah, a lot of propaganda, changing stories, right? So this was definitely one of the hardest ones I've had to do, even though okay. I write the most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, they... Anyway, so there's this pact. Japanese are gone, right? Uh-huh. Soviets are in Pyongyang. And uh, so then Lavrentiy Beria a Soviet higher-up who is portrayed in the amazing film, Death of Stalin, which oh, I would yes. never stop recommending. Uh, he was instructed by Stalin to pick a new leader for the communist state uh, that the Soviets wanted to establish in Korea. Uh-huh. So Beria picks Kim Il-sung. Wow. And it's 1945, and Kim is going back to Korea for the first time in 26 years. Oh, I did not know any of this. Yeah, so <laughs> wow. basically they're, they're trying to set up a state um, mm-hmm. But that's it for Kim at the moment. And when we come back to him, we'll be talking about his adult life. All right. Yeah. Wow. So how far are we? What is it? We're like an hour in. Jesus
1: Christ. <laughs> this is gonna be a long one, folks. We're gonna have to find a way to shorten these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a lot probably. Of work. It's a lot of work. <laughs> um.
0: Anyway, should we take a break? Yeah, I gotta take a break. Okay. I'm just gonna mark this. Thing. One hour. Okay. And we are back to We Talk About Dead People. Hooray! (laughs) And when we left off, we were talking about Kim Il-sung's early life, but now we're going to talk about Leonidas' early life. Leonidas. Leonidas. Okay, I'm just going to say Leo. (laughs) Leo.
1: Yeah, that works. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so take it away, James. Yes. uh, Well, this is completely related and relevant to the history of Korea. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes so uh, let's talk about Sparta shall we shall we we All shall right. so at the southern tip of Greece is a city named Sparta and we're not really sure how or when the city was founded as a lot of early Greek history is shrouded in half myths half truth situations like Tempica? Korea yeah classic yeah. yeah uh by the 8th or 7th centuries BC though Sparta did exist and things were not too great oh yeah <laughs> Okay, yeah. so civil strife, anarchy, and invaders were rampant in the land around Sparta. Reminds uh, me of America today. Uh, those <laughs> goddamn immigrants! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's Taking not Taking really our gerbs. They my... took <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So that was a joke, joke, everyone. joke. So the city decides that enough was enough, and it was time to get tough. Enter classical Sparta. Nice. <laughs> so Sparta decides that the best way to prove her survival as a city-state was to hold a monopoly what? on something. Oh shit. I lost and the you monopoly the they fuck? chose was soldiers. Wait, hold on,
0: J- James. James. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Are you gone?
0: Okay. Shit. Uh, all right. The video call ended because of an error.
1: You're there. I can hear you. Reconnect? <laughs>
0: Can you believe this shit? Good evening. <laughs> 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 All right, we're gonna mark this
1: error. Yep, I marked it. So,
0: okay. That was off to a great start. That's twice now. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Good. <laughs>
1: All, <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Carry on. So. <laughs> All right, so Sparta decided that the best way to prove her survival as a city-state was to hold a monopoly on something, and they decided that would be soldiers. Okay. So, from 660 BC until 371 BC, Sparta had the best warriors in all of Greece. Right. And in fact, these soldiers were so phenomenal that Sparta was the only significant ancient Greek city that tore down her own walls and relied completely on its soldiers for defense. Whoa, that's a power move. Yeah, so Sparta, Spartan soldiers were often referred to as the walls of Sparta, which is badass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: I'm just, okay, here's what I'm imagining because uh-huh. I only know about Sparta because of the movie 300. Which you did uh, not see. Which I did not see. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess maybe the trailers of 300. Uh, yeah, um, I'm imagining. Naked guys. <laughs> Well, Gerard- you're not wrong. Okay. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: Okay, so let's talk about these soldiers. Um, okay. The way in which Sparta created these almost perfect soldiers was very different than any other Greek city-states at the time. Normal Greek city-states did not have a professional army, or at least did not have a large army. Okay. If war struck, citizens were either expected, paid, or forced to join the ranks and leave their normal jobs until the war was over. Okay yeah so, so for example people, like a people's army yeah kind of like a militia almost okay um, okay so in athens like all the free men were expected to fight if their city were was attacked rich men would afford who rich men who could afford armor served as the primary fighters while poor men or slaves served in support war roles. makes sense makes sense yeah, yeah. if you're a small democ- democratic city state you can't afford a professional army <laughs> right Uh, and then after the war, these people would go back to whatever jobs they had, like being a farmer or a mason. Not Sparta! (laughs) Okay. Sparta (laughs) had professional soldiers who did nothing their whole life but fight and prepare to fight. Wow. Wow. Now, normally this would cause some issues, because if all the men are only fighting or training, the economy is going to suffer and probably die out pretty soon, right? Mm, Okay, yeah. Uh, But Sparta had a very interesting, civilized, and creative way of getting around this. Oh! Massive amounts of slaves! (laughs) Yeah, not good. Okay. Okay. Slavery. (laughs) Yeah, slavery, people. Uh, Now, slaves were not an odd sight in ancient Greece. Most of these states had slave markets at this time. But Sparta had entire regions devoted to slave societies. Wow. And uh, these slaves were called the helots. Okay. And how were the helots treated? terribly <laughs> oh, yeah right. um, right. in fact they were treated so terribly that the main reason sparta had to have a phenomenal army was so that the city could survive the constant slave rebellions christ yeah. <laughs> great society yeah doing good sparta doing good <laughs> yeah yeah okay uh, and because there could have been as many as seven helots for every one Spartan, uh, there were a lot of rebellions Jesus. all the time. Yeah. This didn't stop the Spartans from treating the helots like shit and doing things like declaring war on their own slaves once every year. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh why? why? <laughs> yeah, why? <laughs> so little Spartan boys could kill a helot without worry. What? <laughs> We'll get into that later. Oh my god. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, you seem confused by this. I am. So let's get into this. Um, Let's take a look at how Spartan sons were raised. God. So, uh, (laughs) when a boy was born, he was basically bathed in wine. What? So, not a bad start. (laughs) What the? This was believed to, uh, to make the boy stronger. Well, if he survived, I guess he would be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you water your- if you waterboard your son in alcohol, (laughs) and he survives as an infant, I guess? (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. All right. Yeah. Then what? Okay. So, if you survive that, every infant was taken before the council of the old leading Spartans, and these guys decided whether or not the child was healthy-looking enough to allow to live. What? So, yeah, ancient baby eugenics, basically. Oh, oh
0: god, that's horrible.
1: <laughs> it is. Wow. Uh and if the infant did not pass the test, it was left at the base of a mountain out in the wilderness to basically be eaten by wolves. What the fuck? Okay. Yeah. okay. Uh but wow. if the baby was approved of, great! So yeah. <laughs> So you're allowed to live, right? Yeah. So one okay. minute. Can we mark this? I have something in my throat. What? <laughs> okay. And it's It's a baby Spartan! And we're back. Okay, so... So, if you're approved of the test, you're, okay. you're kind of raised like a normal kid, maybe. Right. Uh, at the age of seven, though, all male children were enrolled in the agoge, uh, which uh, agage, I've heard is, I don't know. agoge. Sure. I looked up the pronunciation, and everyone said agoge. But then other people were like, it's not agoge. But they didn't give a supplement, so
0: I'm just going to say agoge. <laughs> the only reason I say agage is because it's like agape, which...
1: It sounds more Greek that way.
0: Yeah, it sounds more Greek, but it's probably... It could also be academic Greek.
1: I don't know. We're going to say the word twice in this whole podcast, (laughs) so... (laughs) So it doesn't fucking matter. All right. Agogalicious. So... (laughs) Varus. Varus. Okay, Agog. What is it? It's basically military school. For the boys, and it had three periods of training, and each period was about six to nine years long. Sweet Jesus. So it's like 25 to 30 years of military training. Oh my god. Yep. So the boys were trained in groups led by an older man, and they were encouraged to give their loyalty to these groups instead of their family. So, kind of like Hogwarts. Except you don't have a family. (laughs) (laughs) So they're all Harry Potter is what you're saying. Kind of, (laughs) although I cannot imagine a Spartan class being called the Hufflepuffs. That just, it doesn't work for me. (laughs) Anyway, so uh, these classes of young boys, they were trained how to fight, how to run, and how to become the perfect soldier, basically. Right, okay. And they were also never given enough food to eat, which would force them to steal food from the Helots, which were those slaves that the Spartans kept. Ah. Yeah. Now, this was another perfecting process, basically, uh, survival of the fittest, pretty much, because the Helots knew that they were basically the eternal target of robbery from these boys in training. Oh, shit, yeah. So they would kill you if they caught you. Oh, wow. And they got yeah. away with it? Uh, sort of. We'll we'll get to more of the helots later. Okay. Uh, yeah. And even though the Spartan trainers incurred stealing food, even they would beat you if they caught you. Wow. So it's all about stealth and survival. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, pretty tough upbringing for a kid. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, Jesus. uh, okay. the upside of this, and I don't know if it's an upside, but, um, is that this taught the children, or the boys, to not be driven by hunger, especially during campaigns which would come on later down on the line. Well, so the... It, it's hardening the soldiers. Right, it makes sense, I guess. I mean, yeah, it makes... I, it makes sense. I don't... It doesn't mean I agree right. with it. <laughs> yeah. Alright. Okay, so, uh, then at the age of 12, each young boy was paired with a young Spartan man so that the two could regularly have sex. Well, what yep really <laughs> yeah huh. uh, and the, the boys are 12 years old remember yeah and what they're the fuck? instruct so the boys these 12 year olds are instructed to choose and pursue the older man now uh the reason this was done was that so a bond uh would form between all of these warriors uh, a bond that was much stronger than most heterosexual male friendships were okay so basically mm. it was seen as like because you because you want your soldiers to be close to close together right if right. you're all friends if you all work well together you're gonna fight better well right. the spartans took this to the extreme oh and we're like well maybe if we all fuck each other <laughs> we'll be the best fighters ever <laughs> so they did this <laughs> well uh, okay i yeah
0: i guess um uh, eh, I, maybe it worked i don't know yeah. Must have, yeah. because
1: they were the best, right? Yeah, and a, a lot of other societies did this, too. I know the Carthaginians and the Thebans, they had uh, they had similar soldier regiments, usually called the sacred bands, where basically all the soldiers would regularly, you know, fuck each other. And <laughs> it created this bond, I guess, where you were stronger than brothers. You were kind of like lovers, I guess. Yeah. Uh... I, well. It's it's weird because we don't have anything like that today. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, I don't know what to make of that because that's I weird. don't either. I'd say that's weird, but,
1: like... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I yeah. did and, this. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and meanwhile, uh, during their teens, the boys continued to do nothing but learn how to hunt, uh, how to have extreme pain tolerance because brutal beatings were basically a daily occurrence. They were right. also uh, taught military training, civic duty, communication, And singing and dancing, because fuck it, it's Greece. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta get that in there somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) So finally at the age of eighteen, the boys who had survived these eleven years of brutal training were finally allowed to join the ranks of reserves to the Spartan army. Okay. And also some were put in the secret police. Of course. Which spied on the Helot slaves and murdered anyone that got out of line. Of Uh, course. So that meant that if you were a slave and you were out at night, you could be murdered. For (laughs) something as little as that. (laughs) Oh my god. And maybe for sport sometimes. Oh, well, uh, that's exactly right. Uh, So... Uh, like I said earlier, Sparta declared war on the helots every year as an excuse to go around killing them in order to keep the population in check, send a message to the slaves, and give experience to the young boys in what it's like to actually kill a human. Great stuff. Sweet Jesus. Oh, God. But again, like, you, it's kind of, you, you gotta give them credit because this is, you know, creating the perfect soldier. Yeah. Of course it's immoral and terrible, but they knew their shit. There's a cold logic to it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, at age 20, the Spartan men were still in training and uh, still living at the city barracks. Uh, but now they were part of the official Spartan army and not just in the reserves. Okay. Uh, and then at the age of 30, the Spartans finished their training as soldiers, were permitted to leave the barracks, they were allowed to marry, have children, and were considered full citizens of Sparta, who could vote and hold office as long as they fought when the time came. Right. But just okay. get that, the age of 30, 30. you're not allowed. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, basically this is why Sparta had the best soldiers in all of Greece. 23 years of training where only the toughest survive. Ugh,
0: God. Okay.
1: Yeah. Now, a quick note. What about the women? What about them? Well, uh, not a lot. Oh, God. Uh, if you were a Spartan girl, you were raised with pretty much only one task in mind have strong babies. Right. Okay. So, girls were trained to dance and run and do gymnastics, all with the goal of having strong bodies so that they could have strong babies. Okay. Uh, and in fact, there was an old Spartan saying I found that referred to this, and the quote is Only Spartan women could give birth to men. What? So, right? Kind of <laughs> obvious. <laughs> But it sums up the social duty of Spartan women. Okay. You're just baby makers. Okay, well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, so let's talk about our guy, Leonidas, or Leo. Okay. <laughs> so Leonidas was born somewhere around 540 BC in Sparta, and he was born to one of the Spartan kings. That's right, one of them. Right. Oh, of course he could only be born to one, but why is there only... Are there Two? sparta has two kings uh, okay <laughs> and it's kind of like a check and balance sort of thing oh uh yeah it's kind of neat uh in a way um and during war and there was a lot of war right uh one king would go fight the wars while one king would stay at home defend home and keep the slaves in line oh. so it's it's a pragmatical thing yeah uh yeah kind of a cool idea i, I yeah, guess it, uh,
0: mm, yeah
1: okay So, Leonidas' dad is one of the kings, but Leonidas is not the eldest male, so he is not in line to be heir, and he's sent to the Agoge or the Agoge or the Agofake or whatever it is. (laughs) Anyway, he's trained to be a soldier instead of a king. Okay. And while Leonidas is in this school, his dad dies, leaving uh, that one throne open to his sons. And there's a bunch of politics and stuff Uh, One son doesn't get the throne So he gets very mad Tries to move to Africa Fails So he moves to Sicily And is murdered What the fuck? Okay Uh, Uh, Do you hear something on my end? I do It's like the great rebellion Has begun It's okay Shit Okay
0: It's fine It's not that bad
1: um, it's pretty bad on my end. Oh, they're right next to me. Are you fucking kidding? me? <laughs> f- fucking parasites.
0: <laughs> uh. What are? What are they doing? I I hear a lawnmower.
1: Yeah, they're mowing my neighbor's lawn.
0: Oh, she's on their side. Yeah, it's. Well, let's just wrap this up then. Okay, well, we're almost done with the... Uh, we are we accompanied by well our long. landscaping friends. Yeah, if you can hear me, Aaron, I'm out here on the front. It's <laughs> violence. <laughs> that that horrible trench warfare with riding mowers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Charge. <that> <laughs> <laughs> Don't trip and fall, Jesus. Oh, Christ, yeah. Can
1: okay. you imagine,
0: like... A a charge of riding lawnmowers, two sides coming at one another, (laughs) just crashing into each other, just rolling over. Oh my god, the screams. Horrible (laughs) screams. Wow, okay, well, mm, okay, so with that going on, uh huh. Care to tell us about uh, the politics and stuff and the guy who got murdered or whatever? Yeah, yeah,
1: he went to Africa, didn't work out, so he went to Sicily, he got murdered. Uh, Anyway, another one of Leonidas' older brothers becomes king, but he's later removed because he's literally insane. So eventually, the Spartan council chooses Leonidas to take his father's place as one of the Spartan kings. Right. So Last Leonidas. Be- yeah, yeah. yeah. So Leonidas became king in about 489 BC at the age of 50. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, so we're finishing this section on Leonidas's early life by stating that he is 50 fucking years old. Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, it's like John Ziska almost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Leonidas is ready for anything. He's king of Sparta. He is loved and respected by his people. He married a girl named Gorgo. Okay. And we'll see where this takes him. Okay.
0: That sounds
1: good to me. <laughs> yeah. So, um. <laughs> these lawnmowers are really fucking pissing me off. I can't even hear them that well. Well, they're kind of in the distance now. <laughs> lawnmowers in the
0: distance.
1: Giving me flashbacks.
0: Lawnmowers in the mist.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> sounded like a Wookiee. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I can't.
0: <laughs> Wait, what was that? <laughs> that was a Wookiee. <laughs> do it again. Mm, I can't do it on command. Damn it. Gosh. I don't know. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know. I don't know. Would it turned me on. Uh, oh Christ <laughs> Well good. Good. Okay. You will be a strong Spartan warrior. <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs> okay, so uh I what do you think? Should we take a break or should we just go?
1: Uh it's kind of quiet right now, so I think we should go. We should use this time. Yeah, I've got all my drinks
0: right next to me, so I'm I'm all set. I don't need a break.
1: Uh uh-huh. so let's just get into Kino's son's adult
0: life then. Yeah.
1: If my recording is too, you know, monopolized by these lawnmower uh, sounds, just cut me out, and just replace me with like what?
0: (laughs) It's so quiet, and then suddenly just.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So if it's annoying, when just cut me out, and I will do no such thing because I am lazy. Clips of Bill Clinton. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. People are just gonna have to deal with it. We live on a
0: planet where there are lawnmowers. <laughs> Mercury. That's <laughs> <laughs> so Shit, obnoxious. It's so loud!
1: <laughs> Alright, well, well... How big is your neighbor's <laughs> lawn anyway? They'll be done soon. Right? Four hundred square acres. <laughs> square no, acres. it's pretty small. I mean... They'll be done square soon. Acre. Square acres. Yeah, square acres. Maybe. We'll see. Exactly a square yeah. acre. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. let's go into Kim Song's adult life then. <laughs> okay. Are <laughs> 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 we screaming over these things. Yeah. Okay, so, when we left Kim Il-sung, he had just finished fighting the Red Army, or fighting with the Red Army, sorry. Right. In its mission to liberate Korea from the decades of oppressive lawnmowers. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So, uh,
0: Christ almighty.
1: Why are they in my yard? What? <laughs> we don't... <laughs> what?
0: I'm being invaded, Aaron. Alright, so we need what? to make a note. We can't record on Wednesdays because yeah. the lawnmowers are gonna...
1: I bet it's a plot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. This is
1: They've gone world. over the same area three times and it's my lawn. I... <laughs> Typical. Typical. Okay. Wait, he just... He, they just drove off. What the fuck? I think we're... I think we're good. Okay. Just go. <laughs> go. Okay, quick. Okay, okay, while we okay, have
0: time. Okay. So we were, we, Kim Il-sung, right? Yeah. Fighting with the Soviet Red Army. Yes. Liberating Korea from decades of oppressive Japanese reign. Right. Uh, and he's being instated as the chairman of the new Korean communist state. Right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the problem is Kim hasn't been in Korea for close to 30 years. Right. He's been in Manchuria, China, Russia, but not Korea. Okay. Uh, so he doesn't know Korean all that well. Uh-huh. Yeah, which is understandable, but also kind of interesting. Not a native speaker. Yeah. All right? So even though he's Korean. So his first speech to the New Korea was actually written out for him and essentially phonetics. That's how oh, bad wow. his Korean was. Yeah. Huh. Um, so nonetheless, he became the new chairman of uh, of the Korean Communist Party. Hmm. Uh, he was still under Russian control, though. Right. right. Because yeah. the Soviets are looking to create one worldwide communist power. Right. Great. The, mm-hmm. They're the believers in a, in a worldwide communist state, right? Sure. Sure. Um, so North Korea is not its own communist country outside of the Soviet Union. It's a communist state inside this global revolution, right? So one of yeah. the first things that Kim Il-sung does is he establishes the Korean People's Army, the KPA, uh-huh. uh, which is supplied by the Russians with modern tanks, trucks, artillery, guns, prop planes, and later on, jets. Wow. Um, okay, so the Russians are totally invested. Yeah, they're well. the, the Koreans are well supplied at this yeah. point. Um, so something is happening here. Uh, something happened here that I, I nearly skipped over. Uh, okay. So, you know how there's a North and a South Korea? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a reason for that. Okay. Uh, so Japan pulled out of Korea, yada yada, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're gone, right? So now Korea's its own state, right? Yeah. But the problem is... Okay. Uh, is that, um, is that, uh, is that, uh, I completely lost my mind. Sorry. Um, there's a reason for this. Uh, Japan pulled out of Korea. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so lost. Sorry. Meanwhile, Uh,
1: the lawnmowers have moved across the street. Great.
0: (laughs) Why? So basically what happens is that America comes into the south. Yes. Uh, And uh, China is coming from the north. So there's Mm -hmm. this two front war uh, with China and America. And remember, uh, all that ground they gave up in South Korea, I'm not even explaining this at all well. Um, it's really, really fucking complicated. There's, like, it's really complicated. There's this yeah. whole network of alliances and, and treaties and all sorts of shit. Um, but basically you've got China and America on two sides of this, right? Okay. You've got sure. the Americans in the south, and you've got the Chinese, the Russians, and everyone else in the north. Yeah. Right?
1: Okay, um, yeah.
0: So, the Americans established this, this shitty mar- military government in South Korea. Right. Right. Uh, and it didn't work out well because nobody running the government knows anything about Korea. (laughs) They're just kind of there. Right. And in the North, you've got this, you've got Kim Il-sung, right? Yeah. And he doesn't even know Korean. He hasn't been there for nearly 30 years. Oh, jeez! Right. Um, uh-huh. And there's and there's also people fleeing North Korea because they see this coming storm of communism, right? There. Yeah. You know, they've seen how bad things can get, and they're like, not going to happen to me. So they're fleeing southward. Oh, and you've geez. got this massive, dopey American military government trying to handle all this. Oh, God. And it doesn't work out so well, as you might imagine. This is just a clusterfuck. I know. It's an absolute clusterfuck. <laughs> But, anyway, oh. so the Soviets and the Americans are seeing this as, like, not exactly being tenable, right? Yeah. And the Soviets are in the in the North, and they're not gonna budge, actually. They want all of Korea, all of right. it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, united under the newly established Democratic People's Republic of Korea. And the U.S. obviously can't let this happen, because, remember, the U.S., even though they were allied with the Soviets in World War II, are really interested in not letting communism spread, because look what the fuck happened last time. Yeah. <laughs> right? So they have a vested interest in keeping South Korea of free from communist rule. Yes. It's kind of like, we gotta hold on to what we have,
1: right? Yeah, exactly. So, well, I, And the domino effect, true, too,
0: right? Like, the, No, if, not the domino, the Doppler effect.
1: Oh, shit, you're right. Yeah, okay, so, pardon my stupidity, everyone. A faux pas, if I ever saw one. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> but basically, like, if, if one eastern asian country falls to communism the next one will and then the next one will and finally all of asia will be communist so right. we have to stop the first country from falling to communism right 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 sure
0: <clears throat> so clumsy as this military government in the south korea in south korea may be the u.s mm-hmm. are just kind of like this is the best we got and it'll have to do mm-hmm. um so with all this going on this division occurs and it's called the 38th parallel okay. uh this division is literally one side america and one side soviet Russia and china and north korea all that Right, yeah. so it's uh, 1948. Uh, Kim is designated as the premier of Korea, right? Yeah. Uh, and this division division officially becomes more than a division; it becomes a border, right? Hi. Okay. So yeah. he's de- Kim is declared uh, premier of Korea, right? hmm And but th- it's not just hey North Korea. He's declared premier of South Korea as well. Oh, I see. Yeah. So they believe, and he believes that, basically, South Korea is occupied territory that's his. Ah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's this other thing that's going on with the Soviets, and they're like, you know, they're, 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 uh, like I said, um, so Kim was looking for, he was anti-Japanese, right? And he was mm-hmm. looking to free Korea. Yeah. And the Soviets are like, oh, well, welcome to communism, you're actually part of this global revolution, you're not <laughs> your own country, right? Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, anyway, it's all very, very complicated, and it was really, really difficult to write about, because so much happens so fast, and so little of it is actually recorded well. Right. Um, that it's just kind of like oh, and then in 1950 something happened, but 72 something happened, but back in 1912, <laughs> and everyone's trying to draw these connections, and it's it's almost impossible because nobody really knows. Hmm. Interesting. Um, but anyway, so one of the first things Kim does as the premier of North Korea uh, and South Korea, but not yet, um, mm-hmm. is uh, he does some new reforms. Uh, he did oh, a good, good. Uh, some good old fashioned land redistribution. Ah, uh, great classic. Uh, proclaimed <laughs> yeah. an eight hour workday. Nationalized industry and nationalized healthcare.
2: Okay. Wow. And on the
0: outset, outset, most of these things look promising. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Americans and the Soviets were also like kind of backing off um, to sort of let the two Koreas sort themselves out. Well, that's right? Good. They didn't. Yeah. They didn't want to start World War III, so they're like, "You guys figure this out." You know, we're going to keep building nukes over here, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, you know, for the coming war, but it's not going to happen today. You know. So, uh, 1948, we saw, in the first year of Kim's rule, we saw our first concentration camps, we saw first forced labor camps, execution squads, typical communist shit, you know. Wow, that didn't take long. No, it doesn't take long. Uh, because that's how it functions, right? That's, that's, uh, as we've seen, that's how it has to function. You have to have your concentration camps, you have to have your forced labor camps, because, well, it happened in Nazi Germany, too. So, like, you know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, in those those totalitarian regimes... Your your base is basically slavery, right? Yeah. Um, Interesting. It
1: it, it sounds like the Spartans in a way. Yes. We never make... We never choose these people on purpose, but they always have some sort of connection. There's always crossover. Yeah. Yeah, there's always
0: crossover because... I think it's because humans function a certain way.
1: Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah. The Doppler uh, effect dictates our, our actions.
0: Yeah. So, uh... In 1949, the Workers' Party of Korea mm-hmm. uh, pops up with Kim as the party chairman. Yeah. And this is when Kim starts his little personality cult that everybody kind of knows about vaguely. Ah. Uh, starts erecting statues of himself all over the place, calling himself the Great Leader. Mm-hmm. Right. And, that's, and this 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 gets hilarious. Just, just hang in there with this okay. Great Leader shit. Yeah. Um, it's not the only thing happening in 1949, though. So, in 1949, Kim and his guys are lobbying Stalin for support in a quick invasion of South Korea to bring those guys back into the family, right? Okay, yeah. So, again, thinks he's premier of this southern territory as well, right? Yeah, we got to bring him back in. Got to get him back in. So, one of the tactics for getting Stalin's support was pointing out some of the atrocities occurring in South Korea, which there were atrocities going on in South Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, there was the, the Jeju, I think it's up Jeju, uprising, among others, in which about 36,000 alleged communist sympathizers, and guerrillas were rounded up and shot oh jeez and that it's the same shit yeah. Different day. It, you know, anything. If you're vaguely related, you could be part. Of, you could be part of that number. Yeah. Right? Wow. So anyway, they're pointing to legitimate atrocities that are going on and saying, "Hey, let's. We need to conquer them so we can do it ourselves."
2: <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Yeah. Um, so the lobby works, uh, and Kim Il Sung leads the invasion into South Korea, armed to the teeth with Soviet weaponry and supported by this new leader of China, some guy named Mao. I don't know. Okay. Um, yeah, so the plan whatever. was to start a skirmish on Korea's west coast. <laughs> Bait the South Koreans into heading in that direction, and then marching for Seoul and and crushing the South Korean army along the way. Uh Aha. So, North Korea marches right across the 38th parallel in the June of 1950, simultaneously shelling South Koreans uh, on the other side. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the North just crushes the South. Uh Uh-huh. Remember, they're supplied by the Soviets. They have heavy weapons, tanks, planes, all that stuff. And the South Koreans have no such thing. They basically only have rifles. Oh, jeez. And remember... The rifles are not very good. I mean... Yeah. At this time, I think uh, the North Koreans would be armed with SKSs, which are semi-automatic rifles, right? Okay, yeah. But the South Koreans, you know, what do they have? I mean, if they had, if they had, say, Japanese weaponry or stuff like that, I mean, I'm assuming yeah. they had, like, Arasaka bolt-action
1: rifles. Oh, jeez. So, well, you know... yeah, and that's assuming that you, the Japanese left them stuff. But... Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. also, remember, like...
0: North Korea is supported by uh, obviously Soviet Russia and China, yeah. so they've got they've got plenty of stuff to distribute and go around. But who's right. who's allied with South Korea? Well, we thought it was the Americans, but all they had was that shitty military government. That you know, yeah. a military government is not going to arm people, right? No. Um, well, not at least initially. Mm-hmm. So they get steamrolled. The South Koreans just get crushed, um, right. and so the leader of South Korea evacuates Seoul two days after the North Koreans invade. That's oh, how bad wow. it was. And three days in, the North Koreans were in such hot pursuit of the South Koreans that the SKA, the South Korean army, blew up a massive bridge over the Han River to slow them down. The oh. thing was, it was so desperate, apparently, that they blew the bridge with 4,000 fleeing civilians still on it. Oh my god. Like, that's how desperate they were. Jesus. That And that's how that's how quickly South Korea was just getting steamrolled. Oh, right? Wow. Just chaos. Just complete chaos. And not everybody on that bridge died, by the way. No, that's good. No, there were some survivors. But Jesus Christ, 4,000 people on the bridge? What the fuck? Yeah. So, anyway, Seoul fell. And I I Mm -hmm. think it's, I don't, I think I pronounce it Seoul, but whatever. Um, Seoul fell at the same day that they blew up that river because Mm, uh, it didn't actually slow them down all that much. Sure. So, South Korea is getting pushed further and further south. And Syngman Ri, the fleeing leader of South Korea, orders the Bodo League massacre. Oh, Which uh. is a war crime uh, that purges between 100 and 200,000 suspected communists with no trials. Whoa, whoa,
1: whoa, whoa. You, huh, you said thousand? 200,000, about. Jeez. Yeah. Okay,
0: wow. Uh, while they're on the run from the North
1: Koreans. So it's That's... kind of like a fuck
0: you, really. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Um, and also to prevent uh, you know people from joining up. That's the other thing. It's like, as the North Koreans were pushing south, they were finding sympathizers that had resisted and still were still alive or whatever, and they were just joining yeah. the forces. Hmm. So, Syngman Rhee goes, you know, kill him. Just right. kill him. Yep. Yeah, okay. Uh, so, this move was low-key supported by at least one military leader in the U.S. Oh, jeez. Uh, who believed, and probably rightly so, that any real communist prisoners captured by the North would just join up in the army become soldiers to fight, right? Sure. Uh, so... <laughs> It's not pretty, right, no, <laughs> but publicly America and Britain decried the massacre uh-huh. uh, because most of the military top brass were really not cool with this kind of thing good you know, it's nineteen fifty we just yeah. finished World War two five years ago right yeah we, we we watched this shit happen right yeah I mean so <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry the lawnmowers are so loud here. <laughs> uh, I I think it's kind of funny. I I think so, too. But anyway, so, yeah, publicly America and Britain decried the massacre. Um, Mm. It was a little too familiar. Still cleaning up the last mess, uh, where all that shit happened on the regular. Um, They were kind of like, we're letting this happen again? Really? Really? Mm. Okay. Mm, Yeah. Anyway, so the North is still invading, and they've crushed about 70% of the South Korean forces in five days. Wow. Yeah. It's a disaster. They were absolutely flattened. Um, So things are looking really...
1: That's faster and more successful than the Nazis' invasion of France in World War II. Like, yeah, that I I didn't know it was that quick and that huge. It's it's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. So things are looking really bad for South Korea. <laughs> yeah. Oh <no> um, shit. <laughs> and the Americans are still trying to decide whether or not to intervene. You know, mm-hmm. because they left them to play their own game or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot there's a lot at play here because you have this freshly minted. Yes, that's a capitalism joke. You have this (laughs) freshly minted Soviet state crushing its way through a region that the U.S. has a complicated relationship with. Mm -hmm. The Americans are, of course, worried that if they get involved, it might trigger another goddamn world war with the Soviet Union. Or rather, depending on how you look at at it, might continue World War II. Right? Jeez, yeah. Yeah. So the Secretary of State at that time, uh, Dean, I think it's um uh, uh, he reminds President Truman that this is all very familiar. Does yeah. the word appeasement mean anything uh, to you? Right. Right. Yeah, so, this is uh, just the Poland, American, again. Exactly. So the Americans are, are and the, the higher up Americans are looking at the situation and thinking like, you know, the last time we just let some country get away with invading all of the places, things went pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, so what do the Americans do? They get involved. And right. President right. Truman sends air
1: and sea support South Korea.
0: Now, uh, yes? I have
1: a quick question about this. Yes. Did Congress, with the Korean War, I, I'm a bit fuzzy, did Congress approve this war? Because there was yes. no. They did. They approved $12 billion for military spending in Korea. But is that involvement or is this just spending? It's involvement. Okay,
0: interesting. From what I understand. I mean, because there are American soldiers fighting over there, right? I mean. Sure. So what's the difference, though? Because if you've picked up on something subtle here, I want to know, because.
1: You know. Uh, can we pause this real quick? Oh, sure. Because yeah. I want to make sure. Because I've heard that Congress said no, and it was only because we were involved with the UN that we got forced into- Yeah. The UN did it. Not America. But, yes, which is- which is interesting, and it's a- it's an- sorry, this is my libertarian side. It's an ar- argument against, um, the UN, because American people voted against the war. But it was only because we were involved with the UN that we went into Korea. Yeah, so it's UN forces supported by Americans. Who are, right.
0: The UN is mostly American forces anyway, so... But without the majority of American support. Right. Which is not democratic. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's good to know. Good good little, uh, distinction there. Yeah, you um, can... That, that doesn't...
1: You can cut that out. I just wanted to... Yeah,
0: no, I'm, I'm interested in knowing... I mean, because it, it's so goddamn complicated. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like World War II. There's bad guys, and we're the good guys, and we're going to go kill the bad guys. And then mm-hmm. Korea <laughs> and, and Vietnam and yeah. every war since then is so fucking complicated. Mm-hmm. You know. So anyway,
1: all right. Uh, Americans
0: get involved, right? Mm-hmm. Truman sends air and sea support to South Korea. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's a declassified document. It was only declassified fairly recently, from what I understand. Yeah. The president is recorded as stating... Uh, communism was acting in Korea, just as Hitler, Mussolini, and the Japanese, uh, had 10, 15, and 20 years earlier. I felt certain that if South Korea was allowed to fall, communist leaders would be emboldened to override nations closer to our own shores. If the communists were not permitted to force their way into the Republic of Korea without opposition... Uh, I'm sorry, if the communists were permitted to force their way into the Republic of Korea without op- without opposition from the free world, no small nation would have the courage to resist threat and aggression by stronger communist neighbors. All right, fair enough, well, I guess. <laughs> ain't, ain't justification for Korea and Vietnam right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, baby. Okay, so in 1950, Congress approves this budget of $12 billion for military spending in Korea. (laughs) Great. Yeah, so thus the Korean War began. Uh Or rather, depending on how you look at it, World War II got a cute DLC. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) So things go from bad to worse. Mm -hmm. Uh, America invades alongside the U.N., or, rather, as the UN. Yeah. Uh, and Kim Il-sung is ready for them, right? How In fact, you? Kim's forces currently occupy the majority of South Korean territory. Because, hmm. remember, they steamrolled
1: South yeah.
0: Korea. Yeah. 70% yeah. of
1: the military is gone. Just Yeah.
0: yeah so, this South Korean-US-UN force uh, has its work cut out for it, for sure. Yeah. Right. Nonetheless, the Allies pushed the North Koreans back and had retaken Seoul, right? Hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: they went a little farther, Hmm. That's right. They went into North Korea to uh-huh. try to oust the communists altogether and reunify Korea on South Korea's terms. Wow. Hmm. And the Chinese are not cool with this. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, they get kind of pissed, in fact, because now the shoe's on the other foot, right? Yeah. So the Chinese send them, you know, the exact opposite of what had been happening is now happening, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the South is pushing it into in the North. What the fuck, right? Uh-huh. So the Chinese are like, we're going to send some guys... Uh, They send a massive force to join with the Korean People's Army and kick the Allies out of Pyongyang in December and then force them out of Seoul, too, in January. Yeah, and so there's a bit of a stalemate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's a bit of a a stalemate in uh, the winter. But in March, the U.N. forces retook Seoul and proceeded north again, but stopped at the 38th parallel. There we are again. Yeah, where they stay for two years until the war is put on hold under an armistice, not a truce. Hmm. Um, or a ceasefire, whatever they call it. Um, and that's
1: where North Korea and South Korea have been for nearly 70 years. I want to make a quick note here. Yes. Uh, kind of a funny thing is, uh, I believe it was our General Douglas MacArthur who was leading American forces. Mm -hmm. and of course he was the hero of the pacific in world war ii right and he actually had a plan for defeating china because he wanted to take the war not only into north korea but he wanted to liberate china as well oh and his plan was basically nuke the shit out of all of china (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah just like that That's all he wanted to do. He was like, China, they don't have as many nukes as us. They have more men, so let's just nuke all of China and turn (laughs) it into this giant wasteland. Oh, that's a great precedent, you know. Yeah, and thankfully... (laughs) Yeah, thankfully, America was like,
0: um... No! (laughs) (laughs) We don't want to start global nuclear war. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But just a funny, funny note.
0: Worth knowing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so that 38th parallel is where we've been for nearly 70 years. Okay. Yeah. So what's Kim Il-sung think all this, right? Because he's leading the forces at this time, right? Yeah. In all the decisions, he's the head of the army or whatever. Um, yeah. Well, he had really wanted all of Korea United under his rule.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And now it looked like it was never going to happen as long as the U.N. and the U.S. had South Korea's back. Right. Right? Yeah. So nobody won that war, right? Wrong! Oh. (laughs) Kim Il-sung proclaimed North Korean victory and immediately launched an economic plan to rebuild after the war with a heavy focus on weapons and heavy industry, but not agriculture. Oh, shit. There you go. Classic! (laughs) Uh, Another classic bit he started purging people who disagreed with him, including Uh the leader of the Korean Communist Party. What? Yep. (laughs) Just had the guy killed. Okay. Um, Now, from what I can tell, Kim wanted North Korea to be its own independent communist state, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, In fact, he delivered this speech uh, and invented this doctrine that still exists today. You can go read about it on the DPRK's website. And I don't know how to pronounce it, so I'm just going to assume it's Juche. Juche? Juche speech? Something like that. Um, In this speech, he stressed the importance of national identity and the creation of a self-reliant socialist state. Ah. (laughs) Yeah. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, Just a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, uh, you know, nationalist, socialist state. Yeah. It's all, you know. And, uh, yeah. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, there you go. So, uh, this is also why Korea was so isolated from then Hmm. on. Uh, the ideo- ideology is one reason, uh, but there's another there's another piece of this that, you know, probably don't know about, right? Okay, yeah. Uh, so, the ideology is like, ah, Juche, we're going to be our own guys. There's the other part of it, which is Korean ethnic nationalism. Okay. That's hmm. right. Give Hitler a little wave, everyone. <laughs> Not that kind of wave. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, oh, dear. Korean so ethnic nationalism. Uh, right. Yeah. So, they are superior people.
1: Yep. Yeah. You probably hear my dog barking in the distance. Now. Jesus Christ! They got so much shit going on there. It's like a parade over here, man. <laughs> uh, dog and lawnmower parade. Mm-hmm. It's the best
0: kind. <laughs> so anyway, this attitude gets Kim Il Sung labeled a totalitarian. Not surprising. Yeah, and rightly so. Right. Uh, and the Soviets and the Chinese don't like these little ideas about being an independent socialist state because, again, mm-hmm. global revolution, right? Yeah. Okay. So they they try to depose him.
2: Mm-hmm. They're like, get rid of oh, him.
0: Oh, wow. But it doesn't work. Um, he he just resists, probably because he had so much support from his people. Yeah. Um, so anyway, China finally leaves North Korea alone. And backs out mm-hmm. of the country, they're kind of like, fine, man, whatever. Uh, have fun with that national sure. socialism thing. Yeah. Uh, so it's the 1960s now. Uh, Russia's going through some reforms. China, too. Uh, just this little thing called the Cultural Revolution. Oh, no. <laughs> and Kim Il-sung thinks that Mao's going too far. Oh. Yeah, and he starts to distance himself from Mao. Oh, good. And as a result, Mao's Red Guards publicly denounced him. Hm. So, wow. not great friends with China right now. Yeah. Because um, they're like, hey, your cultural revolution, that's, uh, that's some bullshit right there. <laughs> Isn't that weird? That is weird. Yeah. So, uh, Kim, in addition to isolating his country and also to avoid uh, getting super entangled with China and Russia, he wanted, well, he wanted to form good relationships with the communist bloc in Eastern Europe. Wow. Uh, but this is kind of difficult because guess what? uh what all, all the communist <laughs> countries at this time all of them are all accusing each other of being cults of personality but they're all, they all are <laughs> they all are <laughs> that's great I was thinking, I would. I made a meme for it, and I'll, uh-huh. it's, it's, it's that Spider-Man meme, where uh-huh. there's like two Spider-Mans, and they're pointing at each other. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what this felt like. Yeah. Because they're like, because Mao's China, uh, Kim's like, Mao, you're a cult of personality, and, and Stalin's like, Mao, you're a cult of personality, and Mao's like, Stalin, you're a cult of personality. <laughs> right, right. <And> Kim's like, <laughs> he's like the king oh, of geez. the cult of personality. Yeah. Right? So, uh, anyway... That's happening. Great stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, but they all sort of agree that North Korea is the worst of the the cults of personality. Okay. So let's dive into this a little bit,
1: shall we? Please,
0: yes. So first of all, North Koreans were taught that Kim Il-sung was perfect. (laughs) He could do no wrong. Uh, Literally could not do anything wrong. Uh, And in 2012, by the way, this is not a joke, by Mm -hmm. the way. Uh, in 2012, Kim Jong Un termed the ideology of the nation not as communism. No, no, no. He he termed it. Wait for it. Kim Il Sungism. Uh. <laughs> there it is. Uh. <laughs> Maoism, Hitlerism, Stalinism, Leninism. Yep. Uh, Cult of personality. Cult there of is. personality. So uh, Hubbard. See, true communism <laughs> hasn't been tried. <laughs> 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 You're right. Uh, so right. Anyway, here we go. In the mm-hmm. 1950s, the USSR was going through de-Stalinization. Good. Right. You know about that. Yeah. Um, Which means that they'd figured out that it had become a cult of personality. (laughs) And they were taking measures to undo it. Mm -hmm. So some North Korean students in the Soviet Union start to notice this. And they, like, look back at home and they're like, hey, there's some giant gleaming statues of Kim (laughs) Il-sung everywhere. His portrait's on every damn wall. And they're like, toot, toot. (laughs) <laughs> the sound of a whistleblower, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so these students were, of course, heard, and and Kim Il Sung took actions to dismantle the cult personality. Uh, he found himself in, and I'm not even going to do that joke again. Of course, the students were tortured and often just vanished from the face of the fucking planet.
1: Oh God. Yeah. Shit, I thought uh, you were serious. No. I fell for the joke again.
0: No, no it's... <laughs> okay. Are you kidding? So they're like,
1: Hey, Kim, you're kind of becoming a god. And he's yeah. like, Torture the fuckers!
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay. And that still happens today. It's been happening oh. since then. <laughs> uh, and more brutally, right. I will say, under Kim uh, Jong-il, from what I can tell. Okay. And then Kim Jong-un... I don't know. I don't know about him. Uh, okay. Yeah. But uh, so, Stay tuned. So, as for the other things that Kim claimed... He did. He, he claimed that he pretty much single-handedly defeated the Japanese in World War II, which, uh, you know, <laughs> nope. <laughs> so he was described as the heavenly leader, so we've got this divinity thing, like, yeah. it's perfect. He won awards like the Double Hero Gold Medal, Amazing. and by one, I mean, he gave it to himself. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> the korean central news agency often made up stories about how everyone from fidel castro to jimmy fucking carter were swooning at how great kim il-sung was <laughs> children were taught that the only reason they were still living was because of the grace of the chairman oh good <laughs> each school had a kim il-sung room much like each scientology church has an office oh, for l ron
1: hubbard weird yeah wait wait wait, wait. so if you were a scientology Korean communist school, you'd have to have two rooms separated?
0: Or <laughs> yeah, do they off- share a room? <laughs> no, you'd have one office for L. Ron Hubbard and then a room for Kim Il-sung. Okay. All right. well, that makes so sense. They also believe that the chairman never used the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. they, they believe that about
0: Kim Jong-un, too, by the way. Uh, right. Yeah, Great. he's divine. He just doesn't do that. No. Mm-hmm. no. He just eats and the food goes nowhere. <laughs> well... <laughs> well, actually, he he clearly doesn't eat. I mean, no, I was gonna say, yeah. All of them are skinny as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> They're a little pudgy, pudge Yeah, a little, little, little pudgy, a little, little pudgy. It started with Kim Il Sung, so. Um, Great. I want to pause here, actually. Okay, good. Because I want to, I want to underline something I, small I discovered while investigating Kim Il Sung. Oh no! So I read a lot of North Korean propaganda while reading this. uh Huh. And what <laughs> struck me, and I've been thinking about Scientology a lot. Um, what struck me is how similar it is to Scientologist writings. Hmm. There's like a fuck ton of emotional words. For example, this is at the end of uh, at the end of Kim Il Sung's autobiography when he returns to Korea. Uh huh. So, quote: Korea was seething with the joy of liberation. President Kim Il Sung returned triumphantly home to an enthusiastic welcome from the people. Wow. What does that sound like to you? Uh, it sounds like. Uh, Joseph Smith, almost. yeah, yeah, or Ellen Hubbard, yeah. It's like it's like pumped up and like they paint pictures with those words. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's 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 entirely it's entirely emotional language. Yeah, you know, because the fact is, President Sung returned to Korea in such and such year, mm-hmm. right? That's that's reporting. But Korea was seething with the joy of liberation. He returned triumphantly home to an enthusiastic welcome from the people. And yeah. it goes on to say that they were like happy that he got
1: there for like ten years or something like that. And um, it makes me even excited to like picture that in my head. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and what's
0: kind of kind of crazy about this is this is how a lot of newspapers write. I was just gonna say that it reminds uh-huh. me of
1: Fox News or CNN too. Uh-huh. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. go read.
0: the... I mean, if you if you read the articles with any sort of like, like, okay, what are the facts here? Half over half the piece is nothing but like. A narrative, right? Yeah. Almost all the time. It's really hard to find newspapers that don't write like this. It's just clickbait. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Uh, Exactly. So, here's another thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Hyperbolic talk. Huh. Right? Yeah. So, here's something from... uh, Here's something from the website. The Korean people and the KPA, however, displayed unrivaled bravery, (laughs) self-sacrificing spirit, and mass heroism to the fullest and fought to humble eh, the arrogant U.S. imperialists who boasted about being the strongest and shattered to smithereens the myth myth of the U.S. invincibility. Air quotes around those words. (laughs) Whoa. Right? That's how they write. That's how they write. Yeah. It's a narrative, right? Yeah. So here's here's (laughs) another piece. Uh, Here's something from Scientology. Uh, so that all may avail themselves of these technologies, L. Ron Hubbard directed the rise of churches all over the world, and thus the birth of a worldwide religion. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a worldwide religion, even though most people think of it as a cult, right? Right. They're talking, you know, amongst themselves, like, we're a worldwide religion, and it's like, nah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like you have to act successful to be successful. <laughs> hmm Yeah. Yeah. So, fake it till you make it. Anyway, yep. so, and it'll fall apart eventually. Trust mm-hmm. me. Yes. Um... Uh, anyway, so the other thing I noticed was that they have like a uh fascination with numbers because hmm. numbers can be easily inflated and they don't really mean anything. So yeah. Right, so here's something from Scientology's website. All told, L. Ron Hubbard's works on Dianetics and Scientology comprise the largest cohesive statement on the human mind and spirit. More than 10,000 writings and 3,000 recorded lectures. Wow. Contained therein are answers to life's most profound mysteries the enigma of existence, the riddle of death, the realization of states not even described in earlier literature. <laughs> What does and it even mean? <laughs> I, I, well, it's, he's big. Look at my numbers. He so much. And here we go. So here's one from North Korea to okay. compare it to. Uh, through the let each machine make more... This is a poor translation. They're not great in English. Mm-hmm. Their movement was one tool creates another, creates another, creates another, right? Yeah. Through this movement, they produced over 13,000 machine tools over and above the yearly plan in Juche 48, 1959. Uh, in only a few years, uh, in Juche 47, they have their own dates, by the way, uh, mm-hmm. they built, which is 1958, they built more than 1,000 local industry factories throughout the country. Industrial production grew at the annual average average of 36.6%. All of this fully showed the heroic stamina and creative talents of the Korean people galloping forward in the speed of Kalima. Wow. Galloping yeah. forward. Galloping forward. And you got yeah. those numbers. So it's the same shit, and that's why yeah. they're called cults of personality, because they're cults. Right. Y'all. So anyway. Yeah. It's the nineteen sixties. Okay. And uh do you kn- we had uh Oh my god, James! What do you know what time it is? I I I don't. Yes, it's time for the Vietnam War. <laughs> <laughs> Kim Il sung was impressed with the leader of the North Vietnamese. Uh, Ho Chi Minh, mm-hmm. who was using guerrilla tactics to unify Vietnam.
1: Oh, sounds familiar.
0: This inspired Kim. Uh-huh. And how would he reunite the Koreas? Guerrilla tactics. Oh, wow. And that leads to something known as the Blue House Raid. Okay. In 1961, a man named Park Chung-hee uh, seized power in what was known as the May the 16th coup. Uh, this was basically the exact same thing as the beer hall punch thing that Hitler led. Right, huh yeah Uh, so chong he was fed up with the mismanagement of the multiple governments you know they were like into the the third or fourth korea at this point republic yeah um maybe the fifth i actually don't remember Jeez. quite a few they've tried a lot and he's like this is bullshit so he you know goes in and you know organizes this raid Uh uh where he sent a team of special forces disguised uh as um as uh you know South Korean forces or whatever. Yeah. Uh, infiltrates this blue house, which is like the the capital building or whatever. Um, and about 100 people were killed in a firefight. Oh, jeez. And everyone points at Kim Il-sung and they're like, hey, he's trying to subvert leadership in South Korea. And it looked like something he might do. Yeah. Uh, but he said no. Uh, it was probably leftist extremists. And it was definitely not him. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he's like, there's some allegation that he was involved in that, whatever. Sure. So, anyway, in 1972, Kim became not just the premier, but the new president of Korea. Mm. And I don't know why he wanted to also be president, but the point is, he's president now. The more his titles, first... the merrier. Oh, yeah. The more titles, the more medals, the merrier. So, his first move uh, involves adopting the metric system, which is not a bad plan. Right. Um, which is interesting that he would adopt the metric system and not the same dating system. But there's Yeah. Like, um, here's a problem, though. Uh, Korea is super isolated. Yeah? So I literally do not know what else he did outside of speculation and rumor. Oh, shit. Uh, mm-hmm. his foreign policy was mostly focused on be- building relationships with China and the Soviet Union, but you know how that goes. <laughs> sure. Um, in the 80s, there was a rumor going around that he was assassinated hmm. while he was still alive. Right. Um, oh, okay. yeah. So he went and did a bunch of public appearances, so I don't know how that got started. Hmm. Um, that same year, he declared that his son, Kim Jong-il would be his successor, making North Korea essentially into something like a monarchy. Right. (laughs) You know, the opposite of the whole plan. Great. So remember uh, how North Korea is cut off from the entire planet except for maybe China and kind of the Soviet Union? Yeah. Do you also remember the Juche doctrine wherein North Korea basically says that it wants to be entirely self-reliant? Yeah. Yeah. So that doesn't work out so great. Right. (laughs) And even China gets frustrated with North Korea's attitudes about economics. Sure. Uh, and then, of course, the Soviet Union collapsed in the turn of the decade from 1989 to 1991. Yeah. So basically, that leaves North Korea all on its lonesome, except for China, which was getting frustrated at this point. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So anyway, then Kim has this medical problem. Uh-oh. Right. He's got this. Remember that thing that happened in his book where he had this growth on the back of his neck, and he ate some pork, and it went away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The so pork that his back. grandma gave him. Mm-hmm. It's back. Oh um, dear and it's right on his spinal cord. Oh jeez, right? And it's it's and because it's there, it's inoperable. Yeah. So this thing gets to be the size of a baseball. Right? Oh god. Which is not good when it's positioned right next to your spinal cord. Yeah. So things are not looking good health-wise for Kim. And he knows the situation is dire. Mm-hmm. Real dire. Um, but he wants to make sure he maintains control of the North even post-mortem, so he makes his son, Kim Jong-il, the chairman of North Korea's National Defense Commission. Mm-hmm. And he also makes him commander of the Million soldiers Strong KPA. That is a lot of guys. Yeah, so Kim Jong-il is clearly going to be the successor, right? Yeah. No doubt about it. Uh, so in 1994, Kim began investing in nuclear power um, hmm. because North Korea is not naturally rich in like fossil fuels, or at least not enough rich to keep things going forever uh, <laughs> on its own <laughs> sure. with no help from anyone else. Uh, he also formed a program of nuclear research which stopped which stopped within a month because Jimmy Carter actually went to North Korea to get him to quit it. Uh. And Kim said, "All right. Well, okay, well, good for Carter. <laughs> yeah, well, sounds kind of familiar. You yeah. Got a president going to North Korea. You know, yeah. yeah. talk about nukes. Yeah, So anyway, history repeats itself. Hmm. Uh, but that's that's about it. And okay. I, I, I'm sorry that it was kind of vague at points, but like, holy shit, is it hard to find
1: things in North Korea? Yeah, well, I, I like I like what you did because we could have talked for hours about the rumors surrounding him, but mm-hmm. I just don't give him time because they're, they're rumors. You know? Well, Kim Il-sung, I wanted to cover him because he was the
0: beginning, right? Oh, yeah. Um, But Kim Jong-il, who I'm sure we'll do later. Yeah. Now, that guy, there's a lot about him that we do know, and he's okay. absolutely fucking crazy. Ugh. Oh great absolutely crazy like well look forward to that what did he do i think he he was like he played a game of golf like he'd never played golf before mm-hmm. and he went and he shot a 38
1: which if you don't
0: know what that means that means he basically used about two strokes for an 18 <laughs> every hole in the all right hole course. wow uh which is oh, yeah, outrageous. I see. Jeez. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Several holes in one. A hole mm. in ones. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh yeah, so I think we need to take a break. I agree. Yeah, we're two hours into this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jesus Christ, is this gonna be another four hour episode? Uh maybe. Oh god, we gotta slow down, man. Yeah. <laughs> or speed up. Either or way. speed up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant!
0: All right, Mm, and we are back to, we talk about dead people, and when we left off, we were talking about Kim Il-sung's adult life, and now we're going to be moving into Leonidas Leonidas' adult life. Yes. We left him doing, like, pederasty and things like that. (laughs) What, (laughs) we, we left him, he was, he was, like, going through his training where he had to sleep with older dudes and things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But now
1: he's king. Yeah. He is one of the kings of Sparta.
0: Hooray.
1: So... Now Air let's in. stop talking about him and talk about some contextual history. Oh boy. Yeah, I'm going to be super brief with uh, with this because I'm sure we'll cover it in another episode in the future. Right. But basically you've got your Persian Empire, right? Right. Right. And from like 550 BC to 330 BC, the Persian Empire is the shit. Right. It's huge, it's advanced, does amazing things in art, politics, science, astronomy, etc. And perhaps most amazingly, it is the biggest empire the world has ever seen up until this point in history. Right. So, uh, the Persian Empire has parts of modern-day Libya, Egypt, Israel, Syria, Iraq, Arabia, Iran, Pakistan, Turkey, the Caucasus, and a whole bunch of other places as well. It is fucking huge. But they don't have America, so whatever. That's true, it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, anyway, over in western Turkey, there were a bunch of Greeks who had settled there. And the Greeks weren't too happy with Persian rule for one reason or another, so the Greeks living in Turkey rebel against Persian rule and burn the city of Sardis to the ground. Okay. And this is called the Ionian Revolt. Oh. And it lasts for a couple of years, but Persia eventually crushes the rebellion. Oh. And Persia is angry. Yeah. For the rebellion thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it turns out that some independent Greek city-states over in Greece, especially Athens, had supported and uh, encouraged the Ionian Revolt. Thus, Persia vowed that she would conquer and enact revenge on all of Greece, but especially Athens. Ooh. Uh And actually, King Darius of Persia was so resolute in this plan that he ordered one of his servants to whisper into his ear three times before every dinner, every day, "'Master, remember the Athenians.'" <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap! Yeah, so he wasn't fucking around like no. <laughs> it was serious. "'Remember the Athenians.'" <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just going to call so, uh, you every three times a day. Um, <laughs> yeah, remember please "'Remember
1: the Athenians.'" Yep. <laughs> and I'll be like, shit. Okay. Yeah, so King Darius I eventually gets around to invading Greece and thus begins the first Persian invasion of Greece. The first of many. Kind of, yeah. (laughs) So, in 492 BC, the Persians conquer Macedonia and Thrace, which are both in northern, or the north of Greece. Uh, But then the Persians are defeated at the Battle of Marathon by the Athenians, marking an end to the first attempt to subjugate subjugate Greece. But, as the good Lord saith, when in doubt, (laughs) eat a trout, and try, try again. (laughs) Of course. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, uh, after King Darius of Persia died, his son Xerxes took the throne and promised to succeed where his father had failed. Good. (laughs) And so, in 480 BC, Xerxes began the second Persian invasion of Greece. And this was a fucking massive undertaking. Yes. Uh, The Persian forces could have had as many as 500,000 land soldiers and 12,000 ships. That's a lot. (laughs) <laughs> Which for 480 BC is a lot. Yeah, it's a lot, and now nowadays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it's far more than what the Greeks would ever manage to muster, even if all the various city states did somehow manage to put their differences aside in order to face the invaders. Wow. Uh, in fact, this Persian army was so fucking huge that when they marched past one river, they actually drank it dry. Bullshit. Bullshit. That's what a historian saith. <laughs> That's amazing! It is amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It it could be exaggeration. Ancient historians are known for uh, exaggerating pretty much everything. Oh, yeah. But it was huge, anyway. We'll just say they they drank it to a puddle. Oh, sure. Sounds good. Yeah. Okay. So, this giant-ass Persian force marched all the way to Greece. Right. And I'm sure what you're saying is... But James, how can you march to Greece from Persia? The Aegean Sea separates the two. <laughs> well. Yes, it, yes did it does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. So what King Xerxes does is he creates two giant temporary bridges across the Dardanelles by basically tying a bunch of boats together. And his army literally just walks across the sea. Of course. Pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> and actually, uh, for a while he couldn't build the bridges because the sea was so rough. So he had a bunch of guys grab whips and start whipping the sea in order to subjugate it. <laughs>
0: Wait, really? And it worked.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? Didn't uh, who who else did that? We had somebody else. Was it uh, Caligula? Uh yeah, Caligula uh, had his soldiers attack the sea and collect seashells in order to show that he had conquered <laughs> Poseidon. <laughs> hey, by the way, nobody has listened to our Caligula episode. It's like our least listened to. I know, to episode. which makes me so
0: sad. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. I don't like it very much, but I. But that's just because I I think our later episodes are so much better. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um. Uh. Okay. So. Anyway. Uh, so the Persians are marching through, they subjugate Thrace and Macedonia, and Mm. continue on down Greece towards Athens and Sparta and the other free city-states. Right. Okay. And as you can imagine, a lot of these Greek cities were scared shitless. Of
0: course they were! (laughs) Yeah. The Persians are coming!
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the red Persians are Sorry I'm trying to Make a Paul red Revere coats? joke well, no, The red coats Didn't he say The British are coming That's true The yeah. British are coming The yeah. red Fits are coming Those And there's actually A different coats. guy Who did more than and Whatever We'll do Paul, Paul Revere In an episode I'm sure We really should Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Because people in America Really revere Paul Revere <laughs> <laughs> King of comedy <laughs> Yeah Alright so Yeah So that you know they, what What I think I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> you can't shoot me for, for that your- joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all the way in Texas. Uh, shit. Yeah. I guess we can't do that anymore. Can't do mm-hmm. that joke anymore. Well, we, I guess we could. You could send an assassin. That's
1: true. Yeah.
0: Alright, hold on. Let me grab my phone. Okay, um, dial it up. Yep. <laughs> this is never going to work. You're not
1: going to be able to find it. <laughs> shit. Uh, looking on Craigslist... Oh, shit. Um, we're good. Uh so, so, you found one. Yeah, um, just hang in there. Okay. Uh, telling him no, okay, um, okay, or, the, or s- there might be someone at the door. Y- you should- Oh, shit. shit. Shit.
0: Oh, fuck. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, now that I'm back to life,
1: mm-hmm. uh, carry on. Yeah, so in 481 AD, uh, Xerxes sends ambassadors to all the biggest Greek states requesting their support. Right. Uh, but did not send any messengers to Sparta or Athens. Okay, so showing... you've got
0: this Persian invader trying to get Greeks mm-hmm. to support the Persians.
1: Yes. Well, basically to, to, to kneel before him.
0: Okay. Uh, as a client state. Just to let them get to Sparta and Athens.
1: Yeah, because okay. Sparta and Athens are the big boys on the street, and he is going to flatten their cities in response to his dad's failed invasion, and basically is revenge, because the uh, Athenians helped those re- rebels a long time ago. Okay. It, it's kind of this long-standing feud. <laughs> right, right. Uh, the Japanese and the Koreans are the Persians and the Greeks. It's these, It's the same thing, basically. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh but basically so he sends these messages out in hopes that most of the greek cities support him but it had the opposite effect because now all these people are seeing kind of sparta and athens as these beacons of freedom right so all of greece basically throws their lot in with sparta and athens okay Um, great stuff uh, but the the problem is the Persians are still a coming So, co- uh, a congress was eventually assembled with ambassadors from all the major Greek cities in order to form an alliance between the Greek states and make some sort of plan as to how the fuck are we going to beat such a large-ass Persian army. Yeah! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> So eventually the council decided that it would be impossible to beat the Persians in numbers because there simply aren't that many Greek soldiers. Right. However, if the Persians are marching down Greece and taking the sea road, then they would inevitably have to pass through the pass of Thermopylae, Mm -hmm. which was an extremely narrow pass through the Greek mountains. Right. Thus, it was decided that the best hope of holding the Persians off would be at Thermopylae. Okay. Uh, but this still left the problem of the giant Persian fleet, to which Athens volunteered to use her fleet against the Persian fleet, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still very risky because the Athenians only had about one-third the amount of ships as the Persians did, but hey, it's a plan. Alright, Yeah, gotta hold them off. You're right. So so now it's August of 480 BC, and the Persians are coming. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, and the Persians are actually getting really close to that pass of Thermopylae, and there are exactly zero Greeks defending the pass. What? Why? <laughs> well, um, Athens was busy preparing her fleet to fight against the Persian fleet, and all of the other Greek cities are kind of waiting for Sparta to tell them what to do. Uh, okay. uh because Sparta has the best troops. Right. So why isn't Sparta doing anything? <laughs> uh, because there's a festival going on. What? They're having a party? Yeah, and oh. during this festival, uh, Sparta <laughs> believes that there can be no military, military action. Well, that's it inconvenient. The wrath of the gods. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, also, it was the time of the Olympic Games, in which all of Greece puts aside their differences and enjoys a period of peace. Oh, okay. So Sparta believes that it would be very sacrilegious to move her army somewhere. Right. Enter our boy, King Leonidas. And Leonidas is like, uh, hey guys, we gotta get to that pass, like, now? Yeah, gods be damned. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So finally, the elders of Sparta come to the conclusion that it would probably be a good idea to move the army to take the pass. But that's kind of sacrilegious at the same time. Oh? So they eventually come to the compromise of not sending the Spartan army until the festival was over, but... Leonidas, he can take his personal bodyguard of three hundred Spartans to go hold the pass until the rest of the army could show up later. Wow. Okay. Yeah, kind of stupid, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so Leonidas and his three hundred brave boys are <laughs> heading to Thermopylae to hold off maybe, yo, know, about three hundred to five hundred thousand Persian warriors. <laughs> Not good. Thankfully, though, while Leonidas and his 300 boys were marching to Thermopylae, about 7,000 or so other Greek soldiers from various states volunteered to join them, but still not great odds. Wait,
0: I thought it was just the 300. Uh, no. Oh. Never
1: was. Yep, that's kind of a myth.
0: Okay, <laughs> great. Yeah. Uh,
1: so it's 7, 300 000? Spartans. Yeah. Um, with 7,000 or so allies. Okay. So they got 7,000 yeah. Greek hoplites. Yes. Okay. So, uh, Leonidas and the boys eventually make it to Thermopylae, thankfully before the Persians, uh, and they make camp at the narrowest part of the pass. However, uh, Leonidas was then shown a nearby path by the locals. Okay. And this path would be hard to find by the Persians, but if found, it would allow the Persians to travel through the mountains and flank the defenders in the pass. Okay. In their ass. (laughs) Basically. Behind. Basically, yeah. So... (laughs) <laughs> the ass pass is what it's called in her Okay, anyway.
0: <laughs> okay, ass pass.
1: Got it. Yep, so uh, Leonidas stations a thousand uh, a thousand of his Greek allies to guard this pass, the ass pass, <laughs> while he and his 300 boys and the 6,000 or so other Greeks defend the main pass, okay. the non-ass pass.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> like, 12. They're <laughs> so <aren't> immature. <laughs> Finally, in uh, mid-August of 480 BC, the Persian army was seen approaching the mass of, the pass of Thermopylae. The The non-ass path. Oh, the non-ass path, okay. Right. Yeah, so the the ass path (laughs) is that flanking path, right, Right. that they're kind of scared about. But the non-ass path (laughs) is the main path of Thermopylae. (laughs) This isn't a drunk episode we can't do this <laughs> okay <Sorry>. whatever <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> ass path varus varus oh god okay oh, i gotta control myself good. <laughs> good. good 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 okay okay so the greeks are they see how terrifying the army is the persians so Leonidas and the others decide to hold a quick council of war. Okay. And some Greeks wanted to retreat their forces further south in order to link up with the armies down there uh, who were still preparing. Right. But other Greeks wanted to hold the pass since it was probably their best shot at defeating the Persians. Okay. Finally Leonidas quieted everybody and said that the Spartans would stay and hold the pass. Wow. And those who decided to stay with them would be appreciated, but basically no, no ill feelings if you want to leave and link up with the other Greek forces further south.
0: Okay. That's uh, weird
1: that he's giving them the opportunity to
0: avoid you know yeah. this, this well this doom because the Spartans, right? Yeah. They were very much about you know Dying with honor. Dying with
1: honor. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, when a when a Spartan would leave for war, legends say says that their mother would say, "Come home with this shield or upon it," basically yeah. like you better come here dead or victorious. Yep, no retreating. <laughs> wow. Yeah, great okay. stuff. So yeah, Leonidas is saying, "You guys make your choice," but me and my three hundred boys, we're staying here. We're gonna hold off the Persians as long as possible. Okay, pretty cool. Uh, so during this meeting. Um, this very nervous greek soldier he he's terrified of the persian archers and he tells the council um and this is a quote because of the arrows of the barbarians it is impossible to see the sun that's how many arrows there are jesus christ and to this leonidas responded won't it be nice then if we shall have shade in which to fight them
0: oh, that's so hardcore i know wow
1: okay So, most of the Greeks, they decide to stay with the Spartans, even though everybody knows this is basically a suicide mission until at least reinforcements arrive. Right. Meanwhile, the Persian army arrived, and the two camps faced each other in anticipation. Uh, Then Xerxes sent a messenger to Leonidas and the Greeks, offering them their lives, freedom, and the promise of land if they leave the pass. Wow. Uh, To this, Leonidas refused. Of course he did. Yeah, Yeah. because he's a Spartan.
0: a fucking (laughs) coward. Yeah, go.
1: Uh, Xerxes then sent the messenger back, demanding that Leonidas, the Spartans, and their allies lay down their arms and surrender. And to this, Leonidas famously responded, Come and take them. Wow. Which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of how it's usually interpreted, is come and take them. But actually, the the more correct translation is, Having come, take them. Mm. Which I actually like better. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's, that's, that sounds like it's... yeah Yeah. okay sophisticated in a way come and take them is
1: so come and take our weapons yeah Yeah. you'll you can have them when you get here (laughs) yeah Yeah. so anyway xerxes then understands that leonidas would not back down still he waited uh xerxes waited four days to (coughs) see if the mere sight of his army could scare the spartans away and it could not of course not so xerxes attacked and uh, the Spartans and their allies formed a phalanx at the narrowest part of the pass. Okay. Mountains protected their left flank, and steep slopes down to the sea protected their right flank, meaning that flanking was pretty much impossible, uh, except for the ass path, which we'll get back to later. <laughs> but for now, the battle would come down to sheer skill at arms. Right. So I've uh, the battle's broken down into about three days of fighting. Oh my god. And we'll take it day by day. Okay. So first day. On the first day after the Persians had arrived at Thermopylae or on the fifth day I, I mean after the Persians had arrived at Thermopylae <laughs> the attack began. Okay. So first 5000 Pers- Persian archers approached the Spartans and Greeks and rained down a continual barrage of arrows and the Greeks simply hunched between behind their large circular bronze shields and the arrows were completely ineffective. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so Xerxes ordered his Persian infantry forward to kill or take prisoner the defenders. Okay. The Persians began their frontal assault in an, in- an initial wave of 10,000 men. Jesus. Uh, but the Greeks held the narrowest pa- part of the pass and were thus able to use as few soldiers as possible and also cycle soldiers out who needed a break from the fighting. Oh my god. Pretty cool. Come back here. Take a break. Grab a yeah. cup of coffee. <laughs> Get uh, some Gatorade. You, yeah. got any- you need those electrolytes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay.
1: So, uh, uh, the Greeks, especially the Spartans, were highly trained soldiers and also had larger and stronger shields, which enabled them to withstand every wave from the Persian infantry. Uh, the Greeks probably fought in a phalanx formation, which I mentioned earlier, and basically, if you don't know what a phalanx is, basically each man, uh, locks his shield with the man next to him, to, to that shield. So it's this wall of shields, uh, and then you you hold your spear above the shields and use that as your offensive punch. Yeah, stabby, <laughs> stabby, stabby, stab. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's a pretty terrifying war machine. Yeah. Um, wow. And its weakness is being flanked. Uh, but they they can't be flanked at this point because right. they've got the mountains on the left and the sea on the right. Uh, so, uh, the Persians, on the other hand, uh, while brave, wore little to no armor, had shorter spears than the Spartans, so they were outgunned, basically, and they had really weak shields, we're talking shields made from interwoven reeds and shit. Whoa! (laughs) Not too great. Wow, okay. Uh, meanwhile, the Persians weren't necessarily Persian. Okay. Uh, these were guys from all over the Middle East and probably didn't have much interest in invading Greece, other than in the... Other than that, their king demanded it. Okay. Uh, and they likely didn't speak the same language as most of the other guys in their army. Oh, uh, yeah. So mm. contrast that to the Greeks, where literally everything, you, your families, your homes, are on the line. Yeah. And you're fighting right next to the guys you grew up with, or who are your brothers or your fathers. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And even the Greeks next to you, although they may be from a different city, they're still similar to you in culture and purpose. Right. Uh, And if you're Spartans, you've probably fucked the guy next to you, so there's that additional (laughs) tie. Okay. Anyway, so, the Persians may have outnumbered the Greeks, but they were totally outmatched. Okay. Uh, Xerxes watched the battle from a chair on a nearby hill where he could see the battle, and so many Persians were killed that day that he jumped up from his chair in rage three separate times. Wow. Oh, wow. So, uh, the first wave of Persians was completely decimated, and the Spartans lost only three guys. Wow. Whoa! Yeah. On the first day, they lost three guys? Yep. We don't know how many of their Greek allies were lost, but not oh, many. Okay. It was okay. to- The first day was total Greek victory. Wow. Okay. Uh, actually, we're not done with the first day. That was just the first wave of Persian attacks. So, wow. seeing this, Xerxes sent in his best troops, the Persian Immortals, who, like the Spartans, were professional soldiers. That was their trade, um, was being a soldier. Okay. Now, the Immortals were not called Immortals because people believed they were actually Immortal. That's stupid. Right. People back then weren't stupid. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, instead, the Immortals were called Immortals because uh, any Immortal who was killed was immediately replaced by another Immortal in the formation. Oh. It was okay. just so many of them. Right, okay. Yeah. Anyway, the elite immortals were sent in to face the Spartans, and, uh, the Spartans pretended to retreat, breaking into a full-out run, and then snapped back into formation as the confused immortals just crashed into them, Jeez. and the immortals fared no better than the Persian infantry and were soon forced to retreat. Holy uh, shit. thus, yeah, the end of the day was a complete Greek and Spartan victory. Pretty cool. So, uh, the night passed, and on came day number two. Now, at the beginning of the second day, King Xerxes figured that although the Spartans had survived the first day, they would be so worn out and small in numbers due to injuries that they wouldn't be able to survive another frontal assault, right? Right, that makes sense. Yeah. So he sends another wave of 10,000 infantry charging into the uh, defending Spartans. And the Spartans just cut them down. Oh my god. (laughs) Just cut into ribbons, is what one historian said. Yeah, so uh, the Persians are again forced to retreat. At this point, Xerxes became, quote, totally perplexed <laughs> as to, as what to do next.
0: I don't blame him. I'd be like, what the hell is happening yeah, down there? he
1: sent 2,000 infantry and his best guys, and yeah. they've just been, it's like a meat grinder. Yeah,
0: well, and of course, he he had probably, you know, looked at the beginning of the campaign, like, looked at all of his numbers and was like, I, I can't lose. Right, There's yeah. no way I can lose. Look at all these guys. And then you get here, and it's like, something crazy is happening on the battlefield. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like... Oh, uh, what? <laughs> yeah. What <the> fuck. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also, like, who the hell in their right mind would stand up against such a huge army? You yeah. know you're gonna lose. Yeah. Well, the Spartans would.
0: Yeah. That's crazy. And
1: uh, yeah. Anyway, at this point, uh, things start to go in Persian favor. Unfortunately okay. for the Greeks. So there's this Greek by the name of Ephialtes. Uh, who comes before Xerxes and tells him of the secret path, the ass path? Oh no! That could flank the Spartan and Greek defenders down in the pass. Okay. And Ephialtes offered to guide the Persians th- through the pass and betray his countrymen if Xerxes would reward him. Oh, and yeah. Xerxes, of course, agrees to this, and he sends twenty thousand men to flank the Spartans via the ass path. Ephialtes, what a dick! Yes, and uh, for this act of betrayal, Ephialtes is a hated figure in Greek history. Wow. His, his name has become, become synonymous with treason, and uh, inter- I found this interesting. Most treasonous characters in Greek plays were almost always named Ephialtes. Well, the
0: fucker deserved it. Yeah. Wow.
1: <laughs> and uh, years later, the Spartans put money on Ephialtes' head, and he was eventually killed. Okay. Uh, but anyway, this ended day two. Okay, but so they now had to cheat. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. And now you've got, throughout the night, you've got 20,000 Persians going on the ass path to go fuck the Spartans in their ass, <laughs> but not in the way the Spartans liked it. A um. uh, different way. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we are 12. <laughs> That's exactly how Herodotus worded it. <laughs> okay, so. Take us uh, to day three. On to day three. Okay. Now remember that Leonidas knew about the flanking Aspath and had stationed a thousand Greeks on it to protect it. Uh, well, those Greeks woke up on the third day and were startled by the sound of nearby rustling trees and the emergence of thousands of Persian flankers. Oh God! Uh, the Persians were just as surprised to see Greeks on the path, and both sides clumsily grabbed their weapons and prepared to fight because <laughs> uh, it was like early in the morning. Yeah, and we're both were surprised to fight today. Kind of funny, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Persians, though, wanting to waste no time, uh, just shot a volley of arrows at the defending Greeks and then went on marching down the path to finish their flank. So there wasn't really a fight. Right. Uh, and the thousand Greeks, they managed to uh, survive the battle and retreat. However, a sympathetic Persian managed to run ahead of the flanking force to Leonidas and alerted him of the coming encirclement via the ass path. Uh. So, Leonidas then held an impromptu war council on the morning of the third day. And, uh, Leonidas told his Greek allies that death was now pretty much certain. And that there would be no dishonor in leaving the battlefield in order to live to fight another day. Mm. But as far as Leonidas and the Spartans, they would stay here and hold off the Persians as long as they could to give the rest of Greece as much time as possible to prepare. Wow. Most of the Greek allies decided to leave, uh... But Leonidas, the survivors of his original 300 bodyguards, 700, 700 Thespians, 400 Thebans, and a few uh, hundred others decided to make their final stand for Greek freedom. Wow. Pretty cool. So it, it wasn't just 300 Spartans at the end, it was 300 Spartans and about 1,500 allied Greeks. Right, okay. So get that right, historians, They <laughs> they <laughs> all so, deserve the honor. The historians have it right, but I think most people... That's true. Yeah, most uh, people just think it's three hundred. Okay. Guys. Yeah. All right. Uh. Anyway, so also because Leonidas and the others stayed behind, this ensured that the other retreating Greeks would survive. Right. Uh, because if they had all retreated simultaneously, the pass would be open, and the Persian cavalry would just cut them all down. Okay. Uh. Thus, Leonidas saved about three thousand Greek soldiers, um, and covered their retreat to let them fight the Persians later on. Okay. So Leonidas and his 15 or so brave boys prepared for certain death and marched out to meet the Persian army once and for all. Wow. And this is where we will leave them until, spoiler alert, we return for Leonidas's end in death. I've heard the story of the Battle of Thermopylae yeah, many, many times. Most people have.
0: <laughs> yeah, but every time I hear it, I'm like, wow. It's so good. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um... But I don't have much for Kim Il-sung's end in death, so maybe we'll just move into that. Yep, let's just go through it. All right, so Kim Il-sung's end in death. When we left Kim Il-sung, he just made sure his son would be put into power, uh, Kim Jong-il. Right. right, Should anything happen to him, and he was also on the verge of developing nuclear capabilities in North Korea before stopping that because Jimmy Carter asked him to. (laughs) Uh, And then the dude has a heart attack on the 8th of July, 1994. Hmm. He's rushed off to the hospital. And Kim Jong il has the best doctors flown in from Pyongyang, but it's a little too little too late. Thirty hours later, he's declared dead. He was eighty-two. Wow. I didn't realize he'd lived that long. Neither did I, yeah. yeah Ninety-four. That's kind of huh. crazy. Um now this is not a small deal. Like, sure. This guy just died. So I yeah, and, and like he's the glorious, the great leader, the heavenly leader, you know, what have you. Like, I'm gonna just say right now, if you haven't gone on YouTube and right. watched the videos of Kim Il Sung's funeral. Hmm. You should do it because it's chilling. Oh geez, uh, the people are out there like mourning. Who are mourning him are out of their minds with grief. Oh wow! And there's thousands of them all in one place. It isn't like oh hey, one of the old presidents died today. You know oh, that's a bummer. Mm-hmm. These people are acting like their entire family was killed. Jeez. it's horrifying. There's like a there's one video in particular. Um, of all of these officers and their officer uniforms and caps and everything, and they're all just like on their knees crying out to the heavens, like wow, in it's like absolute a God agony,
1: yeah. So, cult of personality, really, mm. uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go watch well, it, see what it does. And to it's people. the same thing with Mao when Mao died, it was the same shit, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was
0: because you're, you know, well, if you don't. Know- Oh, it's it's the Stalin clapping thing. Whoever stops first might go to a new log. So, in this Uh. case, might go to a concentration camp. Who knows? So, you got a virtue signal. That's what you got to do. You got a virtue signal that this is the worst thing that's ever happened to you. Um, Or you're
1: just so brainwashed that you do believe it.
0: Well, yeah. I I mean, if if you were like, well, I say virtue signal. I think what I mean is you're compelled to do it because you're so used to doing it. Yeah, I don't know. So you're brainwashed into doing it or whatever, and it it just comes automatically. So and maybe there were some people out there going, I got to, I just got to keep my head down, got to pretend that sure. like this is the worst thing ever. So I'm gonna... But I'm gonna just go go out on a limb here and guess that that was not the case. That most people really were brainwashed because yeah, you're in a country like that, completely isolated. Probably you're not gonna know better all the time. You're not gonna know any better. So yeah. no. anyway, so Kim Jong Il declares a three-year period of mourning oh god yeah wow so for three years people are you know just you know miserable i guess i mean it's not like it ended when the funeral was over because um they put his body inside a a mausoleum inside a glass coffin (laughs) uh, after embalming his body so you can go see it if you can get there (laughs) wow yeah um but it's like a sacred shrine um so Kim Il Sung, as for his legacy, he's treated like a god who ascended to heaven. Not um, surprising. Yeah, there are 500 statues of Kim all over North Korea. They still celebrate his birthday every year. Um, Cult and, of personality. Yeah, it's... there's all sorts of weird things you can't do uh, in North Korea, and one of them is you're not allowed to photograph uh, Kim Jong Il's or Kim Il Sung's uh, portrait. Uh, without, like, following some specific guidelines or something like that. Wow. Go watch some documentaries about North Korean culture and the state of affairs in the 90s, and well, since the 50s. Um, it's pretty horrifying. Yeah. And I didn't cover much of it here because, again, a lot of it was covered up. Um, huh. Yeah. So, when we finally do Kim Jong-il, uh, you know, when we do the Hitler episode, we'll just put him with Kim <laughs> jong <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we'll get a little bit more of that, but I wanted to start with the guy who started it, you know. Yeah, no, that's... Yeah. Anyway,
1: so... Why don't you tell us how Leonidas died? Okay, well... uh, When we last left him, he and his brave boys were preparing for their (laughs) final stand against the Persian hordes. Oh, yes. Okay. So, at dawn of the third day of the battle... Xerxes made religious sacrifices and waited for the immortals to finish flanking the Spartans via the Aspath. Okay. Then Xerxes ordered another 10,000 Persian infantry and cavalry to charge the Spartan position. Okay. However, uh, Leonidas and the Greeks then left the pass and charged the attackers in order to kill as many Persians as possible before their inevitable death. Yes. Which this, (laughs) this got me because I thought the Spartans would just, you know, keep on doing what they're doing, which is hold that path. You know, and a phalanx formation. But no, they charged the Persians! My god! Which is just insane. Like, the the balls on these
0: guys. Well, and if you can imagine being a Persian after a couple of days of watching your guys get, you know, cut to ribbons. Oh, yeah. Now they're charging you. Can you imagine the terror? I would shit my tunic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay so they charged the persians
1: yeah and so the the two sides clashed and the greeks fought with spears until every spear they had shattered due to so many impacts with persian flesh jesus christ and that's how it's described uh then the greeks pulled out their short swords and continued the slaughter uh in the struggle two of xerxes own brothers were killed by the greeks holy shit <laughs> Uh, This, of course, infuriated Xerxes, who ordered that his hordes of archers bombard the Greeks, even though this would mean that large amounts of friendly fire would occur. But he doesn't care at this point. He's just like, kill them all. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, uh, the Persian archers began their volleys, and Leonidas was one of the first to die from the arrows. Um Jeez. a fierce struggle then began over Leonidas's body with each side trying to regain control over it. Wow. And they're fighting on just bo- uh, like piles of dead bodies. Jeez. It's just horrific. Ugh. So the Persians and the Spartans are fighting for Leonidas's body and the body passed from one side to the other four times before the Spartans finally seized control of it. Just crazy. Yeah. Uh, at this point in the battle, the Persians had finished their flank on the ass path and <laughs> arrived behind the Greeks. Uh oh, Christ. <laughs> yep. It's over. <laughs> so the Greek Thebans, uh, they surrendered to the Persians pretty much immediately, um, but the surviving Spartans retreated to a small hill, still refusing to surrender. And there's only a few dozen at this point. Yeah. Uh, Herodotus describes this with... Uh, Here they defended themselves to the last, those who still had swords using them, and others resisting with their hands and teeth. God. Just brutal. Jesus Christ, yeah. (laughs) Finally, Xerxes ordered that the assaults pause, and he amassed his entire army surrounding the few living Spartans. Then Xerxes had his archers continually bombard the last Spartans until every last one of them was dead. Sweet Jesus. And this ended the Battle of Thermopylae. God. uh leonidas's body was taken the head was cut off and put on a stake and his mm-hmm. body was crucified in order to send a message to the rest of greece yeah so Ugh. which is interesting because xerxes he fought a lot of other wars all over the place and he usually showed a he showed a lot of respect to great fighters and he would pardon his enemies if they showed valor in the field but here he had just had enough and he's yeah. like Fuck the Spartans! <laughs> yeah, so he's trying to send this this message to the rest of Greece, and yeah. the rest of Greece did not get the message. So to summarize the rest of the war in a few sentences, the Athenian fleet managed to against all odds crush the Persian fleet. So, Xerxes eventually returned back home to Persia, but left the conquest of Greece to his generals. But by now, the Greeks had had enough time to join all their forces together, and the Greeks destroyed the Persians once and for all at the Battle of Plataea the next year in 479 BC. So, not great for the Persians. No, they lost. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) As for the aftermath of Thermopylae, after the Persians were defeated, the Greeks returned to the battlefield and buried their dead. And a stone lion was erected at the scene of the battle, which is kind of cool. That is cool. I like that. Oh, uh, Leonidas' Leo. bones. <laughs> yeah, Leo the Lion. Yeah. Uh, bones were also eventually found and returned to Sparta to be buried 40 years later, which wow. is kind of cool. Yeah, good. They got yeah. him back. Good. As for the battle itself, it is probably the most famous European ancient battle, even though the Greeks lost. Right. Uh,. Yeah. But like everyone's heard of this battle because right. it, it it shows like how much a small force could do against a huge force. It's a heroic last stand, uh, all about patriotism, and it's often seen as a fight between freedom and ty- uh, tyranny. Interesting. So mm. um, the Persians did win the battle, but lost maybe as many as twenty thousand men, Wow. which is very embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Twenty thousand. Also. Okay. So- so, uh, another really cool part about this is that the specifics of the battle were kind of questioned for a long time. We knew the battle had taken place, but we didn't know if it would if it happened as Herodotus said it did uh-huh uh and one of the big things was we didn't know that the Spartans made that last heroic last stand. Until, in 1939, an archaeologist was inspecting the battlefield and found a, a hill literally covered in thousands of Persian arrowheads. Wow. Showing the exact spot where the last Spartans had fell. That is uh, really cool. It is amazing. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and for the legacy, as for the legacy, there are a million statues and monuments and poems and commemorative writings and songs that all celebrate the Battle of Thermopylae. I'm, I'm sure most of you have heard of it. It's yeah. It's a really important event. Yeah. Uh, it helped Greece retain its independence from Persia, which in some ways helped preserve things like Western philosophy, the birth of democracy, and Greek mm. culture. So pretty important in that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, we could talk forever about the Battle of Thermopylae and how it's remembered, but let's get on to what everybody is thinking. What about the movie? Uh-oh, gotta know. Gotta know. Alright, yes. tell us. Go. Okay, there have been a couple movies about the, about the Battle of Thermopylae, but most family is, of course, 300. Uh-huh. Now, I know that the movie is based on Frank Miller's graphic novel rather than on the historicity of the battle itself, but it's still obviously telling the story of the battle, so I'm going to shred it anyway. Hell yes. Because I fucking hate this movie. (laughs) And yes, I've seen it, before you ask. Uh, I have seen it, and I hate it. (laughs) So, to be fair, if you want a fun, action-filled Highly stylized, full of gore movie with boobs and blood, and absolutely zero historicity and zero personality, then this movie could work for you. Awesome. But I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And here's why. Okay. The movie kind of delivers what it's supposed to be, but its fans are the worst. Really? Really? I oh. don't know how many times I've had some fan of 300 say to me, Oh, oh you like history, huh? Well, well have you seen 300? <laughs> yes, I have, and it's not fucking history! <laughs> uh. So, I-, I could go on forever, but the Spartans did not fight wearing nothing but a loincloth and a helmet. <coughs> They didn't have flowing blonde hair. Oh, They God. didn't twirl around spinning their sword like a ballerina. Yeah. The Persians didn't have war elephants or fucking war rhinos <laughs> at the battle. The, wow. Uh, the immortals oh. were not orcs. What? <laughs> and, yeah, in the movie, they're orcs. I'm not kidding. <laughs>
0: Jesus Christ. Also,
1: they didn't have trolls. Okay. Xerxes wasn't covered in piercings and a speedo. Oh, Persian executioners did not have lobster claws instead of (laughs) arms and nobody spoke with Scottish accents.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That shit all happens in that movie?
1: Oh, it's all there and I'm leaving (gasps) so much out. Wow. Yeah, and then we touched on earlier how there's things like homophobia and racism, but just go look at it for yourself. Like, it got a lot of flack for that and rightfully so. Wow. Uh, There's so much wrong with this movie. Just Go to YouTube and type in "Why 300 Sucks" or "What's Wrong with 300" or something like that, and there there are a ton of people who have like systematically analyzed the movie and shredded it. Also, I think about 30 minutes of its runtime is in slow motion. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's so overly stylized. It's shit. Oh my god. Oh god. Wow. The movie fucking sucks. I oh. know that's my own opinion, but it sucks. Well, Fuck that movie. You're entitled to your yep. opinion.
0: Yeah. Um, because you are an entitled millennial. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, if you want to take away my opinion to that, I say come and take it.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's basically a sword. Mm, a right. weapon. Yeah. But the uh, sword of the spirit. Well, shit. I think that was a pretty, pretty decent episode there. Yeah, pretty good. So, uh, what do you say we head up to the surface? Or our own respective surfaces? <laughs> I agree. All right, off we go! Huzzah! So,
1: James, tell uh, me, what are you going to do for the rest of the day? Call it personality. How? I don't care who, but for someone, it doesn't have to be me. It could be you. In fact, it probably will be you. But I'm going to start a cult personality. Uh, a cult of personality? Uh, uh, yes. We're going to have a cult personality. <laughs> we need more statues. Five hundred. Yeah. Five hundred statues of Kim Il Sung. We can do better than that.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. lame. Yep. Yeah, we need at least at least five thousand statues all over
1: the world. Yes. Uh, of all us. different poses. Yep. And, and made uh, of different material. Yes, yes. Salami. <laughs> <laughs> I want a statue made out of salami.
0: Well, you know what? I
1: could, I could use some salami right now. Mm. That's the gayest thing I've heard since i uh, <laughs> heard about Spartan's training techniques. Oh my god. <laughs>
0: well, on that note... Um, what are you going to do? I am... Oh god... I gotta go get some food. I'm really, really hungry. (laughs) Same here. I skip breakfast to do this shit.
1: Me Um, too. But, uh, That's what we do for you listeners. We go without food. Just we like don't... a good communist, or... <laughs> we don't have a
0: choice because you know we have what eight patrons. <laughs> yes, who we love dearly. Work. Oh, we love our eight patrons—eight or nine—I can't remember anymore. that's because I haven't.
1: <laughs> we love them so dearly. We don't remember how many there are. <laughs> <laughs> we remember their names,
0: not their number. We're yes. not Scientologists. <laughs> Okay, so wow. I think it's about time to bring the show to an end for today. So feel free to send all your hate mails at We Talk About Dead People Podcast at gmail.com. We will read all of it and not along. If you hate us, you're probably right. If you like us though, please consider funding the show by becoming a patron on patreon.com. That's patreon.com slash we talk about dead people. Even as little as a dollar, as much as it costs, to make James so happy. So so happy. Helps tremendously. Our cover art was created by the extremely gifted Ian Patterson, Ian Patterson Illustration. You can view more of his phenomenal work at www.ipattersonillustration.com. With all that being said, we'll close out and let the sounds of 300 Spartans play you, play you out. Gosh, what the fuck?
2: <laughs> Fantastic fall fashions are in our ladies and girls department today. You can choose from our Hunter's Glen collection, an array of fashion fall pants, sweaters, and shirts, all in the latest styles and colors. For that sporty look, we have a great selection of novelty fleece tops, private label, and label jeans. We also have a terrific selection of girls' sweaters and fleece separates to choose from. Don't forget to use our convenient layaway on all these new fall fashions, and thank you for shopping our Kmart.